When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mavs, through Anchor, and also available exclusively on the Rat Style Review Network. And you can also find both my podcast and Rat Style Review on fine podcast platforms such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and much more. Although, don't give Spotify any money because the schmucks don't pay the musicians anything, as I read on Blabbermouth recently. But that's not what this is about. Right now, as I mentioned before, music is life. I hold true to the idea that all art is valid and it doesn't always include art from a musical standpoint. It also comes from cinema, comic books, and you know the entire gamut and platform of art in general. And me, I'm a huge comic book fan, uh, having grown up a Batman fan, love the movies, love the animated series, the graphic novels, the comics, the... <sighs> Batman's my guy. That's all I got to say. So, of course, every great superhero needs... Sorry, he's not that he's a superhero. He is a... He has no superpower. He's just a rich kid with issues, as he so put it himself on an episode of Justice League. But still, every great hero needs a great villain. And as everyone knows, the one villain most associated with Batman is the Joker. And in the past 31 years, there have been many actors to have portrayed this villain... And right now, I'm happy to say I have a roundtable discussion with two very dear friends of mine, Mr. Wayne Noon, the proprietor of the Rat Side Review Network. Wayne, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing all right. Thank you. <laughs> and also, I have a great professional wrestler from the East Coast, New York born and bred. You can catch him on the Hacker Hammond Network, where you can hear him on the Conspiracy Horseman, which is a wrestling podcast. You can also hear him on the New Force Order, which is a Star Wars-based podcast. He is the current Ronin Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, the current ICW Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, and the Dynasty Tag Team Wrestling Champion, and also has been a champion in the following promotions. New York Wrestling Connection, NWA Cyberspace, NWA Shockwave, Jersey Championship Wrestling, now known as Game Changer Wrestling. Jersey All Pro Wrestling, USA Pro Wrestling, East Coast Wrestling Association, and many other fine independent pro wrestling organizations throughout the world, and a purveyor of fine Greek foods, being that his lineage is from the same island as mine, which is Nisidos, a fellow cinephile and comic book aficionado. He is the Greek god, Demetrius Papadon. Dimitri, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. That's one hell of an intro. I mean, I thought you were going to... If you're going to go through all my accolades, I would say this show is going to be very, 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 very long. Uh, not, not, not to put myself over, but uh, I have to correct you for a couple of things, okay? Please be my guest. Yeah, you did make a few mistakes. Number one, the uh, Conspiracy Horseman podcast is not a wrestling podcast. It's a free thought, always questioning the narrative, if you want to use the terminology, conspiracy theory podcast hosted by four professional wrestlers. Thank you so for we, correcting me. That's fine. We don't talk about wrestling. I mean, we'll take our pot shots at the business because we've earned it. We're all in it, which is myself, Bin Hamin, 
Stevie Richards, and Big Sal Graziano. And then um, I am currently the Ronin Heavyweight Champion, the Alpha Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. And when you said ICW, let's clarify, because there's so many ICWs out there. Not ICW New York, correct? No, not ICW New York. Um, Not yet, anyway. Uh, The Immortal Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. Um, Basically, Thanos collected Infinity Stones. I'm collecting heavyweight championships. So maybe uh, a TNT championship, maybe in my dear future. We never know. I like that. So I like that analogy. Thank you. Comparing it to Thanos. That's pretty awesome. But Dimitri, <laughs> all in all, thank you for uh, being on my show today. Really do appreciate it. And Wayne, always good to see you, my friend. Yes, yeah, good to see you too. I didn't know, do you actually know GGP? Um, yes. We are very closely bonded. We just found out. Really? You know, I've spoken to Lou before in the past. And unfortunately, 21 years of pro wrestling, CTE kicks in. And, uh, you know, I tend to forget things left and right. So when he started mentioning Greece and then he mentioned his connections and who he knows and how he knows them. And then I, my connections to the same family, mm. we're, we, 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 we are one degree of separation knowing each other. But we have spoken many times in the past. Yes, his godfather, God rest his soul, Teddy, his his daughter is my mom's goddaughter. Oh shit! Wow. So it's possible Dimitri and I ran into each other all these years, not knowing, you know, where each of us went. But now we're here. I just didn't want to break kayfabe and say, like, you know, <laughs> well, I didn't want to put your business out there. I can care less, man. Kayfabe's dead. But uh, I, I know, but I respect the art form of pro wrestling. Oh, thank you. But even pro wrestling aside, personal life, you know, I don't know if you wanted your business out there. So that's why. I left it very vague in general, you know what I mean? It's fine with me. But listen, just because I put Dimitri over doesn't mean I'm biased because even if I didn't know him, I would still be very proud of him for all his accolades because he earned all of them. Thank you. I appreciate that, bro. No problem. Very cool. So are those all CDs? Hold on. I'm sorry. Are those all CDs behind you, bro? Yes. God bless you. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Been a a long time collecting. Oh, hey, I still buy Blu-rays. So do I. I still buy DVDs. So and, and on the occasion of VHS. <laughs> it really you, has to be a good one. Well, I think the only VHS I have, to be honest with you, I have an old copy of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back from when I was oh, a kid. Yeah, the originals, yeah. Uh an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the Temple of Doom from when I was a kid. Mm. And then a bunch of wrestling tapes that Jack Sabbath gave me for free. And I mean, like, a whole bin of VHS tapes, stuff that you won't see on the network and, you know, NWA, Mid-South, Puerto Rico, like, real old cool stuff. And I'm looking to convert all of that to DVD just just so I can save some space, though. Yeah, that's cool. I still have a lot of my uh, Japanese videos on VHS. I still have the 1995 King of the Death match, which, um, you know, it's funny, like, my father was a pro wrestling fan growing up. And he always told me his favorite wrestlers were Bruno San Martino, uh, Dusty Rhodes, and uh, Terry Funk. Oh. And he had a special place in his heart for uh, Ivan Putsky, Polish power. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those are his guys growing up. And he actually told me that he learned to speak English watching pro wrestling. Wow. <laughs> did, he, did he use the word gimmick and kayfabe and brother much in the house? Surprisingly not. <laughs> you know, it's I'm funny. Like... I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's funny that, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Greeks, how much they love uh, MMA and, and professional wrestling. 
Um, I don't know if it's because we invented it or what, but we take a lot of pride in watching fighting arts. And uh, I'm pretty surprised. Uh, and I've brought this up to their attention many times to companies on national TV that they don't have a Greek wrestler on their roster. You know, I mean, it's just a story that writes itself, but I digress. Well, I mean, it's funny because, like, I think of the two wrestlers that made it onto the platform, such as WWE and WCW. The one guy in WWE is probably Spiro Sarion, mm. and the one in WCW was Evan. I hate the fact that they courageous. Evan courageous. It's got a yes for God's sakes. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he was Greek. I wasn't hundred percent sure if he was because I, I met him. I met him. You know who was half Greek, believe it or not? I did a show with him, and, and uh, we were talking. Actually, is when we filmed the movie The Wrestler. He was one of the guys, and then he just bounced. Jim Powers. Cool. No way. Half Greek, half Italian. Yeah. Yeah. But I never guessed. Yeah. Who's, who's the wrestler that got you into wrestling? Uh, Me? Yeah. Oh, man. Since I was young, I liked, uh, obviously, growing up in New York, I was a Hulkamaniac when I was really young. Mm-hmm. But I was a huge mark huge mark for Jim Crockett promotions NWA. Um, they used to be here uh, in New York on uh, 11 on channel 11 at the mm-hmm. time it was WPIX Saturday uh, mornings, 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and I would watch it. I used to love Legion of doom, love them and dusty roads and all them. But the match that made me want to be a wrestler was sting versus uh, flair. And it was a TV match on that program. Uh, on the WPIX, it wasn't their Class of the Champions match. It, it wasn't their uh, Bash the Beach match. It was just a regular TV match they had, and I just fell in love. And then Sting won the TV title against Mike Rotundo in under 10 minutes and allegedly 15 grand in a bag. And I went up to my mother and I said, I want to be a pro wrestler when I grow older. <laughs> she looked at me like the like the mother and the father from uh, – for my Christmas story, you know, you shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and they just, she's like, okay, go play with your toys. You know, I'm washing my dishes, you know, whatever she was doing or making dinner like Greek moms always do. Yeah. But uh, the funny thing is my father would have been happier if I became a professional wrestler instead of a musician. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, it's all the same thing. It's all entertainment. You know what I mean? Musician, I actor, uh, wrestler, porno star. It doesn't matter. It's all entertainment. Mm-hmm. Glad my wife didn't hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, cool. but I never got to see it. That's love from the. You know, I agree with him because Sting was my favorite. Oh, I was a huge Sting, Mark. Huge, huge, huge. Love Sting, hated Luger. My brother loved Luger. Hated. What the two moves of Doom? Give me a break. <laughs> but funny, we're talking about Sting though, because at one point in TNA, he did develop a Joker persona. Oh, yeah. Good segue. Yes, absolutely. And that was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I got tired of uh, Crow Sting. I wanted him to go back to uh, to uh, Beach Surfer Sting. Beach thing. Surfer Sting. Who didn't? Who didn't? I, I love this, uh, the uh, Surfer Sting. I mean, he was wild. He was crazy. Um, he was more unpredictable than the Crow Sting after a while because, you know, you knew what to expect with him. Come down from the rafters or, you know, stare at you with a baseball bat. But Definitely, I thought that the uh, Joker Sting was a uh, great variation of the character. But uh, speaking of the Joker, this is the reason why we're doing this episode tonight, is to talk about the, I think we can all agree, the best Batman villain. Mm -hmm. And the interpretation played by some of the finest actors to have played him 
in the past 31 years. Now, technically, I could, you know, we could talk about the greatness of Cesar Romero. We could talk about Mark Hamill. But obviously, you know, talking about Mark Hamill, you're talking about an animated version of the Joker. And talking about Cesar Romero, you're talking about the more kid-friendly um, version of the Joker. I love them both. Mm-hmm. Um, having watched clips of the Arkham games and seeing how Mark Hamill brought his A-game up for those games to a point where he said, I can't do it anymore. The only way I'll come back is if they do the killing joke and they brought the killing joke. They, they did it to get him out of retirement. Granted, the movie sucked, but he and Conroy were amazing in it, as always. But we are here to talk about the cinematic Jokers. The four well, in particular are Jack Nicholson. The, uh, Sorry, Wayne? We can talk about the Cesar Romero Joker. I mean, he's, he's the original Joker. And technically, you know, Batman 66, and that was a movie. There, I, yeah, yeah, there was a Batman movie, so... You have to talk about Cesar Romero. He is okay, the Joker. So, so we'll mention the five <laughs> cinematic Jokers. Cesar Romero, yes. Jack Nicholson. We will talk about um, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> so, a little backstory on the 1966 uh, Batman. Originally a series for ABC, produced by 20th Century Fox. And... They decided to uh, shoot the film version, I think, before season one to see if it would go well as a test pilot. Instead, they went ahead with the season, saw that it was a hit, and released the movie to theaters. Are you doing this off the top of your head right now? Yes, I... (laughs) Wayne, how many times have I told you I had no life growing up? I know, man. (laughs) But anyway, though, so Cesar Romero, everybody remembers him as their first Joker. Yeah. Interesting trivia about him. The only Joker to have a mustache. He mm-hmm. would not shave his mustache. So he would just put the white paint over the mustache. <laughs> that's how you know he's that's how you know he's a boss. Oh hell yeah. When when they hire him and he's like, Look, you gotta shave your stash. Sorry. <laughs> nope. Ain't happening. Hell I don't no. think so. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I loved his Joker because it was fun. It was entertaining. It was funny. And it predated the Dark Knight Batman, as we know. So I think every kid who watched that growing up enjoyed it. Uh, Dimitri, what say you? I have right here. Oh, shoot. Wayne's got it. I got him. Nice. I had to get nice. See? That's why he wanted to talk about uh, 66 Joker. That's right. So he, can get, he can get a shit in, just like every other indie guy on the <laughs> But this ain't a video show, so nobody even knows what I just did. Okay, Wayne, by the way, just put up his Cesar Romero Joker um, action figure. Yep. See, I call it an action figure, not a doll or a toy. How right. dare you? Don't ever call it a doll or a toy. It's an action Absolutely figure. Absolutely not. Never. But, uh, Dimitri, your opinion on the Cesar Romero Joker? Oh, he was fantastic. He was my first Joker. Um, even though the whole show was campy and very cartoony for the children, uh, I thought he did it to the best of his abilities and it was perfect. It was the embodiment of what comic books at the time were, uh, embodiment of what Joker was, the clown prince. And um, nobody else, in my opinion, has played it to that level on that, to that level on that platform from all the other cinematic guys. They've all touched the Joker from a different point of view. His is the most original, most uh, truest form to the comic at that time. No one else has come come close. I mean, Nicholson, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but him, he's the, he's the OG and 
I mean, let's face it, the guy was a pimp from what I heard in real life. And yeah, and you know what? He was that laugh, you know? It was awesome. He has still one of the best laughs. Even, laugh e- even though, even though, I mean, if we are going to talk cinematic uh, here, uh, you know, there are animated Batman movies that have come out with Mark Hamill as the Joker, like we stated. Mm. The voice of the Joker in my head will always be Mark Hamill. I don't care who plays him. I don't care if Jesus Christ came down here and played him today. It doesn't bother me. When I read something in the regarding the Joker, I hear uh, Mark Hamill's voice. And when I hear Batman or I read something in Batman, I always hear the voice of uh, Kevin Conroy. So it's embedded in my head. Not wrong with that. No, no, I'm not just saying, just just me. No, no, I, 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 I agree with you to that point. I mean, I'm re- I've been reading up a lot of the uh, Batman graphic novels on DC Universe, and in my head, I'm hearing a, a Hamill's Joker and Conroy's Batman, and which is, uh, let's see, I've already read the Dark Knight series, all, all three of them, um, Death in the Family. Uh, now I'm reading White Knight. And I'm still reading it as Conroy and, and uh, Hamill. So, yeah, it's pretty much ingrained in me. Uh, but, Wayne, other than showing us your uh, Joker action <laughs> yeah, figure, how do you fit? I said your Joker action figure. Take it easy there, cowboy. What <laughs> your opinion on Cesar Romero? Go ahead. Yeah, GVP's right. I mean, he's, he's the original one. He's, he's got the, the great laugh. Um, and we talked about the mustache. I mean, that, that's, that's just awesome that he just kept it in there. He's got the best hair too. I mean, look at the hair. Yeah, can't front. Yeah, um, I love even his suit, the, the purple suit that he wore. Just I, I, the, the thing I love the most about the Batman '66 and that Joker '66 is it's very colorful. I, I love like the colorful comics and stuff like that. And that's just uh, you know how he was. It, it was definitely know? symbolic of the time. Yeah, and you know, I mean, having grown up watching as a kid in the '80s, I mean. I didn't even think of it as dated. I mm. just thought of it as fun. Yeah. Like, it wasn't until Batman 89 where I started thinking, wow, Batman's really dark. Yeah, it got That's... way too serious when it got to that, you know, that first real movie. You know? Well, you could blame Frank Miller for that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys, don't you, you guys rather the campy Batman than the dark Batman? Um, no, I love the... Sorry, wait, go ahead. No, go ahead. I love the, the Bale films. So oh, yeah, I for me, and, and I was a fan of the 89 Batman and Batman Returns, um, disappointed with Batman Forever, disgusted with Batman and Robin. <laughs> and it's funny, I did not want to see Batman Begins in the theater because I'm like, oh, it's going to be another like Joel Schumacher butcher job. And my wife was the one who convinced me to go see it. I'm like, why do you want to see Batman begin so badly? And she said, because the lead actor from Newsies is playing Batman. I'm like, this is going <laughs> to suck. I walked out thinking that was amazing. Yeah. So finally, my faith in Batman was restored thanks to my wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> my wife. She's number one prostitute. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Aaron, I'm kidding. Anyways. But, but yeah, uh, uh, Batman 66 ruined it for me because after when Michael Keaton took over Batman and um, uh, Jack Nicholson did Joker in that, you know, the first movie, I was I was expecting to see the colorful Batman and all that stuff. And then when it was all the dark stuff, I mean, it was a good movie. I, mean, I was just, we were just watching it the other night, my wife, and she she loves that freaking movie. And I'm just like, it's okay, but wow. it, it's it's just too dark. I don't know. I'm not used to the dark Batman. You know, I'm used to the colorful Batman. Hey, but man, after, to each their own. 
Yeah. But after like when Christian Bale took it over, then, then I really got into it. Cause I, I didn't see the Batman returns. I mean, I just it wasn't into it, you know? Hey, so, so, all right, right now, million dollar question. Greatest Batman of all time. Hmm. I'm going to say Christian Bale. Okay. Does it have to be live action, Dimitri? Well, I'm not voice. Yes, live action. Are, are we talking about movies though, or or can we do? You can add movies? Adam West to that list. You can put Adam yeah, West. I'm gonna have to do Adam West. Um, okay, <laughs> I, I'd have to go Bale. I get that figure too. He's right there. Okay, have, I'm gonna I'd have to go Christian Bale. I'm picking Affleck. Really? He yeah, was I'm, actually he was good. He surprised me a lot in that movie. He was amazing. He was the only thing enjoyable. Him and uh, Gal Gadot of uh, Batman v Superman. I have to mm. give it to both of them. Yeah. Yeah, he surprised me, and he he fit that suit very well too. Yeah, and the, the new guy that they got from Twilight, I'm not, I'm not uh, feeling I don't that. Get it. Yeah, not yet. I'm not feeling that. I'm gonna give him a chance, but right it's now, weird. I mean, the cowl and the suit looks horrible. So yeah. don't forget what? when when Batman '89 came out, and people well, before when it was announced that Michael Keaton was playing Batman, there was such oh a yeah, horror. oh yeah, of course, Mister Mom, mm-hmm. of course. That Beetlejuice, like how the hell is yeah. Beetlejuice going to be Batman? And then he he ended up doing like a Beetlejuice type thing in the middle of the movie. I was just like, what the hell? I don't know if you remember that part. Yeah, when he breaks the plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. funny that we're talking about it now because now we're moving on to the next actor to play the Joker, Jack Nicholson, uh, Mr. The Shining himself. And I actually posted something about it on uh, Facebook today. I said, yes, the Batman 89 Joker Jack Nicholson as Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I thought it was a great interpretation of the character. Um, you could definitely tell that they lifted uh, parts from certain stories, certain elements of the character from uh, The Dark Knight Returns and uh, The Killing Joke for this. And at the same time, though, Nicholson gave it his own twist by... Well, just being himself. Mm. But to witness the evolution of the character and then borrowing from the killing joke for this worked really well. And at the time, um, you know, you didn't have that many comic book films that it came out. You had the four Superman films, you had Supergirl, and you had this. Uh, other than that, I really don't think there were any other comic book movies that came out um, prior to it. But 89 set the standard, I think, for comic book films to come out after that. And Jack Nicholson, I thought, set the standard for comic book villains, you know, in terms of, Mm. like, how well he played it. Mm. So I thoroughly enjoyed him, you know, looking back, thinking that, you know, the ideas of Batman in the cinematic version are Adam West and Cesar Romero as the Joker and Keaton and... Uh, Nicholson opened my horizons to wow, this is a very interesting way to portray those characters. Mm. Agreed. So, round table. Go ahead, Dimitri. All right, a couple things. Nick, like you said, Nicholson played Nicholson, but I think Nicholson accentuated to a certain degree what was left on the table from Romero, but altered it to the point where, like you said, he put a dark night spin and a killing joke spin on it. He played the gangster Joker, the the one that was in the mob, the Jack Napier, right? Where we have, just to skip a little bit in front, we have uh, Heath Ledger playing the anarchist. And then we had Jared Leto playing the psycho. 
right? The psychotic one. And then we had uh, Joaquin Phoenix playing the mentally ill one, you know? So each one hit a different aspect of the character, a different layer, if you will. But in my opinion, uh, Jack Nicholson is very true to the original Joker, just like Cesar Romero's. I would say it was just, I wouldn't say it was an imitation, but I would say it was an extension and an addition of it because you add your Nicholson flavor into it. But then he also portrayed that gangster side of the Joker, which we didn't see in the 66 Batman because he was more of the clown prince. Right. He was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's, and to be honest with you, uh, when he was casted, I was a little annoyed. I'm like, wait a minute, J Jack Nicholson, he's old. He's a big guy. Joker's skinny. He's frail. What's going on? Mm -hmm. This is going to suck. But lo and behold, he's the he's the trendsetter where you have your heel in the movie, your heavy outshine your 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 top uh your your top baby face, your top you got uh, building in the film. Well, not even top villain. I mean, well deserved. He was the bigger star, but his portrayal of the character outshined Batman's portrayal. You know, just like Heath Ledger's, in my opinion, outshined um uh what's his name? Christian yeah, Bales. Christian you know, and then Joaquin Phoenix obviously did what he did in his won an Oscar doing his uh, portrayal of Joker. Now, Jared Leto, a lot of people hate. I liked it. I didn't like the imagery with all the tattoos and everything. But from what I heard, they left like 75% of what he did, you know, uh, filmed on the cutting room floor. So we didn't get a chance to compare. Yeah. You know how they're talking about the Snyder Cut now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a, they're, they're talking about if it does well on HBO Max, they're going to do a... Uh, the guy who directed, what was his name? Uh, Suicide Squad. Was it Goyer? No. What's his name? David something. Right? Whatever his name is, they're doing his cut. Because what happened was the, 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 the uh, this, this is how much of a nerd I am. Um, the, 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 the team that did the, the trailers to the movie, the, the company that, that, that put the trailers together, they got such a great reaction from the trailers that they gave them the film. David Goyer, I think his name is, right? I, I might be I might mistaken, but uh, but uh, they are the ones who edited the film. So they took a lot of that stuff out between Joker and Harley Quinn and a lot of scenes with the Joker. And Leto was pissed from what I understand. So David now Ayer. They, David Ayer, there we go. Goyer, Ayer, I don't know. Anyway, um, there was letters in it, so I was close. But uh, uh, what do you call it? So if the, if the Snyder cut does well and it's well received, they might do a David Ayer cut, just like they did a uh, Superman two Donner cut down the road. You know, a lot of people don't know they have. I mean, I think it was a Blu-ray edition special or whatever, and it's totally different from what we saw the original Superman two. But who knows? Then maybe people could appreciate the Joker a little bit more. I mean, he looked like the Joker the most, in my opinion, out of all of them. You know, I think so. With the tattoos and then the... Uh, the without, without the tattoos. Without the tattoos. But his body frame, his, his facial... I couldn't get past the tattoos. I just Well, I agree with you. I, it kind of killed it. Even and though the, they and the, did it in the comic book. I mean, I just... I didn't read that book. So it, I didn't really... It didn't click with me. And the silver teeth, from what I understand, is right. a backstory. Maybe it's a flashback scene they showed that they, they edited out. About Batman knocked all his teeth out with a punch. That's why he had the silver grill on. Mm. But again... If you don't see it, just like, look, I'm a, I, you guys know I'm a big Star Wars, Mark. Yeah. Right? This new sequel trilogy of Star Wars, 
didn't speak well with each other as far as movie to movie. A lot of the stuff has been picked up in other forms of media, whether it's books, comic books, and they add to right. the, the movie the story. And, but not everybody's going to read the books. Right. So in my, my, in my opinion, if you're going to put out movies and you're going to have a story to tell, tell it all in front of the camera from A to Z, from Alpha to Omega, and let everyone see it. And if you have to leave it, you know, then, then break out and put out shorts or something or do an animated series or something where you can fill in the plot holes. Because, you know, just like BVS, they have the director's cut now. I haven't watched it yet. I but, it. It was pretty good. You know, the, the original BVS sucked. I was in the theater right then when I saw Batman flying up, you know, and it's, it was a dream. Right? I was like, what the fuck is this shit? We don't have another origin story? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But... It sucks. It sucks because there was so much potential. And to me, BVS wasn't so much as a bad film. It was just disappointing. I mean, to me, BVS should have been a grand slam. It was a double. You know what I mean? Like, you got the two biggest superheroes of all time, uh, Superman and Batman. Everyone knows them, mm-hmm. right? And you got you, you, your film's not even going to break a billion bucks, not two billion bucks. Like, this is the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. Did You know, it should have been up there with Titanic and 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 in uh you know uh episode seven of star wars you know and and endgame but it wasn't but i do think the extended cut did it justice though i gotta watch it you know i like the original one though i I think it's that bad have you guys seen uh uh what's that a man called uncle the man from uncle with him um i've I've heard of it Uh, i think it's man from uncle whatever i don't know it's a guy rich i'm a it's it's it, I'm a guy Richie Mark. I love the director. I think he's a great director. You know, he did Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, all those. You know, and then uh, he did the, he did the he's also the uh, guy who did the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes films, which I, I like very much. Right. Oh, yeah, that's he did. Okay. Um, he uh, oh fuck, I just lost my train of thought. What was I gonna say? Now? Guy, oh, Man from Uncle, Man from Uncle, right? A man called Uncle, Man from Uncle. Whatever the hell the name is. <laughs> it's a spy. Well, it's a. Uncle. A monkey uncle. There you go. So it was it's based a, on a series from uh, the sixties with Robert Vaughn. Right. And the, what's his name? Uh, it's a spy movie and the guy's Henry Cavill's in it. Mm-hmm. Henry Cavill plays more Clark Kent in that movie than he does when he's Superman. Right. So a lot of people were upset because of the darker tone. I was too. I liked man of steel to the ending. I thought the ending was bad. When he you goes know? off. You don't, yeah, Superman doesn't kill. I'm sorry. He's the Boy Scout. Um, So it was what it was. Now, is Henry Cavill a bad actor? Not by the long shot. If he played Superman and Clark Kent the way he played the man from Uncle, people would not be upset with anything, BVS or anything like that. They just should have just put it in that retrospective, in my opinion. But then I get to see Crisis on Infinite Earths. And we see Brandon Ruth get all jacked up and step back into the role. Whoa. He played Kingdom Come Superman. And lo and behold, he should just take over the reins of Superman, in my opinion, right now, and take off where Christopher Reeves left off because he looked amazing. And he played a great Clark Kent. I just thought he was very tiny to be Superman in that lackluster film that, uh, that, that, that guy did. What's his name? Brian Singer. You know? That was a disappointment. It was very lackluster. I didn't like the way he made Lois Lane look like a hooker. You know, like a thought. But whatever. But he's not a good guy, too, from what I hear behind the scenes in Hollywood. And now he's on the blacklist. You know, supposedly he's a kid toucher. So, 
Oh, Who knows? Yeah. There's a documentary out there called The Open Secret, if you guys can see it. And it's about pedophilia in Hollywood. He's one of the names listed in the in 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 the in the thing. And and let's face it. It is it is disgraceful. But he's also very cool with what's his name, who's also been accused of this stuff too. Uh from House of Cards, uh, Kevin Spacey, who's a great actor and a great Lex Luthor. But hey, you're touching kids, you go to hell. In my opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're dead to me. I mean, I won't even go see any Victor Sawa film. I never saw Jeepers Creepers in any of them. I've never seen um, Powder. The moment I heard that he was a uh, kid toucher, I was like, I am not watching any of these fuckers' films. Absolutely not. Um, I believe in holding myself to a moral standard. And if you do something as disgusting as that, you're fucking dead to me. I don't listen to the Lost Prophets anymore. They were one of my favorite bands at one point. And I found out that the singer, Ian Watkins, did that to infants. Man, fuck you. That's all I got to say. Uh, bro, listen, let's not go down this rabbit hole real right now. We <laughs> Sorry. have... Sorry. No, no, no. We've No, no, look. Look, man. Everyone gets emotional here, especially if you have kids. Yeah. And I got 37 of them. So trust me, I know a thing or two about, you know, children. But, you know... We've touched on this on the Conspiracy Horseman. And I say this all the time. Hollywood, D.C., and the Vatican is full of kid touchers and is run by kid touchers. Mm -hmm. And it's the open secret that's out there. And a lot of people just look the other way because they don't want to be deceived and be like, shit, we fell for it. But a lot of people are coming out now and they're starting to talk about it. And it's really, really sad because a lot of these people that we used to grow up with are – and we watched on the silver screen or, you know, a local priest somewhere or some politician. It's, it's really, 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 really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. I, I haven't been to Subway since Jared got caught. Um, I have this the cheapest thing on Uber Eats. <laughs> and sometimes I don't get a chance to go to uh, get food on my lunch break. So it's there. But anyway, back to what we were talking about. Uh, we we're talking about Jack Nicholson, Joker. Uh, Dimitri, everything you said about him being the gangster Joker, I agree with. What I liked most about his interpretation of the Joker was the fact that it reminds you like the old school mob. You know, yeah, that's what I mean by gangster. Not like West Side, Blood or Crip. You know, like when I say gangster, I'm right. talking Capone. You know, Very like James Cagney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Wayne, your take, please. Oh, God. Uh, he was too old to be Joker <laughs> to me. Ageist. <laughs> yeah. I was a little bothered by that. Uh, and it was Jack Nicholson. I wasn't really, I really didn't, I was young when this movie came out too. So I was like, what, nine years old. So I really didn't even know who Jack Nicholson was. How old are you? So, uh, 40. Oh, you're old. I'm very old. Wayne, we're the same age. Shut up. Oh, you're, you're, both, you're, both a, <laughs> you're both a bunch of grandparents. <laughs> By the way, I'm 43. So I only knew Nicholson because I remember watching commercials and billboard advertisements for the Witches of Eastwick when I was uh, <laughs> growing up in Astoria, Queens, taking the R train into Manhattan with my family and seeing the posters everywhere. And I saw this guy like in every, you know, that shitty grin of his in like every poster. So I was like, oh, that's a that's going to be the Joker, you know, like, huh? <laughs> Like, I used to Caesar Romero. <laughs> I used to think it was the uh, the golf guy. Ah, nice Nicholas. Yeah. Nice. I was like, nice. what the hell is well he doing playing the fucking Joker? I, that don't make any sense. I'm not touching that with the temple. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just watched it the other night. I mean, he is he he did a very good job doing Joker, and um, yeah, the, just the one problem, he was just too old for me. You know, I just didn't do nothing <laughs> for me. But well, if you think about it in the context of the film, though, he's old anyway. Because, I'm, 
Because right. Joker kills Batman's parents in the 89 movie. Right. And if you think well, about it, Bruce Wayne was 10. The Joker kill was in, in 19. In 1989, Batman. Yeah, he did. Jack Napier. Oh, that was him that killed him. Yeah. Did you and see that, the movie? And, and the young guy who shot him, the young guy who shot him kind of looked like Jack Nicholson, too. It was well, well casted. Yeah, right? okay. Looked like Jack Nicholson and Billy Idol's love child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yes, that was supposed to be the young Joker that killed yeah. Batman's okay. parents in the film. All right. Film. All right. Uh, yeah. but, but but just so I can add one, two cents into, I understand where you're coming from about the, the age thing, but because he's a mobster, maybe you should have said mobster, not gangster. Because he was a mobster, I let's look. About. But, you know, the, 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 uh, the simpletons listen to the show. They might not know what I'm talking about. Also so, <laughs> Yeah. Hey, see, you got seven more viewers than the NFL, so you guys are doing well. Um, so, uh, in the mob life, the most the, the the mob bosses and the captains are usually older in age because they got to pay their dues. They're seasoned, grizzled veterans. So it only makes sense that if he was in the mob, he couldn't be this hot shot, fucking young, you know, upstart because then he'd just be a soldier in the mob not a captain or allegedly the boss's right-hand man when he, you're my number one, you know? And and, and that, like he says in the film, so it kind of fits the motif, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I mean, we're used to seeing slim, trim, anorexic looking yeah, clown I'm, I'm prince. Just, just joker here, this little joker with the exactly, you know? chin and skinny body. Yeah. And, and to see Jack Nicholson, like, you know, a little chubby guy. And, well, anybody yeah. looks young playing next to Jack, uh, Jack Palance. Well, look, look, I mean, when we think of Batman and we think of Joker, what I think of, I think of two people. I mean, I mean, now three people after Jim Lee has did an incredible job of Batman. Um, I think of Frank Miller, mm. right? But first and foremost, I think of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Scott Snyder. No, 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 no. He did, him and Caputo also did, uh, he's my number four. They did a good run. But uh, Neil Adams. Neil Adams, to me, when I see a drawing of Batman, that's my Batman. You know what I'm saying? And that's my Joker. And like you said, skinny Joker, long chin, every Neil Adams. Yeah. So that's the Joker I'm used to seeing. Yeah. Not the old puffy, you know, old man who needs a stunt double to do, you know, to do his falls. <laughs> right. So, but he, in my opinion, don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying Jack Nicholson at all. No, I he thought did a good job. did a fantastic job. Yeah. I just wish they would have picked somebody else. But I mean, who, who else really could they have picked at the time, you know? Funny thing I, I is, Jack Nicholson said in an interview that he wasn't uh, going to play the role unless he, Tim Burton, hired his friend Tracy Walter to be in the film. And Tracy Walter played Bob, oh, uh, <laughs> the Joker's right-hand man who he shoots right before the end of the film. Another, another little-known fact that we brought up on the NFL last week, the, uh, the, uh, was it Harvey Bullock? Was, the, was that the name of the guy, uh, the crooked police guy? That, that Joker shot? No, that was uh, Eckhart. Was Eckhart, Eckhart. Eckhart, yes. Bullock was the one in the cartoon, sorry. Mm-hmm. Eckhart, that's Porkins from Star Wars. Yes, it is. Oh. Mm-hmm. I got him. No! <laughs> oh, and then uh, the one thing I hated about that Batman movie was the Prince music. What? I hate Oh, Prince, Electric Chair is one of my favorite. Oh, dude, I love that, dude. I loved it. It was just too corny. Prince music. Man, it's the, it's the, it was 89, bro. I think I it added to the mystique of the film. I, I, I liked it. 
to 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 quote to quote what they used to say back in the day in, in Warner Brothers, we got to sell Happy Meals. What are you gonna do? You're <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, but anyways, fans, so. fast forward twenty nineteen years later is the next live action interpretation of the Joker. There was only one other um, a version of the Joker in animated form that went to theaters, and that was Mark Hamill's in Mask of the Phantasm. And again, you know, as Dimitri and I said, for most of us, most of us that grew up with the cartoon, the voice of Hamill is the voice of the Joker. Mm-hmm. But we're here to talk about the I live never action. Even, never even seen that movie. The only one I did see that Hamill did was the uh, Killing Joke, which was a terrible. <laughs> My condolences. Um, <laughs> well, let's be frank. Uh, not the entire movie sucked. I think the the oh, there was good parts. The beginning of the movie with Backer was was the the drizzling shits. I think no ex- exactly what took place from how the book starts to where the book ends, mm-hmm. and the movie starts as he's walking into Arkham. Right then and there, if that was the start of the movie, the movie would have been great. It would only be an hour long, but it would be great. The, the fir- Sorry, Dimitri, go ahead. No, no, go finish. Bruce Tim said it himself that the reason why he put that 33 version of Batgirl story before um, the Killing Jokes star- officially starts is because he wanted to make Batgirl more of a tragic character. Meanwhile, it's like you completely downplayed her as some kind of sex-crazed maniac. In the film, which I thought was completely unfair to uh, the character of Batgirl, Barbara Gordon. Totally. I think it would have been, you know, the, the greatest Joker line in that film is, if I'm going to have a past, I want to make it multiple choice. You should have had more, you know, I, I think it would have been better if they had either delved more into the backstory of the Joker or given him that multiple choice background. That would have been a better film, in my opinion. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, and the ending sucked too. It was you mean the that's Oracle it. scene? Yeah. It, it just like ended or something, didn't it? I don't know. I, well, it, it, it didn't. It didn't give fans of the original graphic novel the same ending. Yeah, like it just kind of just like left it graphic... open in a way or something. I remember. Say that again. It, it seemed like it just like left it open or something. It kind of left it open because at the end of the graphic novel, you don't know if. Batman is strangling Joker? Yeah. Or what? You don't know what's going on because you're seeing Joker with his eyes bug-eyed and Batman laughing. It looks like he's strangling him. But mm. they didn't do that in the film. I'm like, how, was, could you, how could you not do that? I, I was waiting to see what they would have done at the end of the film. And I'm like, that went over like a wet fart in church. You know? <laughs> like, what the hell happened there? Yeah. The Dark Knight uh, animated adaptation I thought was done well. That was that is my favorite Batman animated film, hands down. Now, and, Wayne, have you ever seen the '90s cartoon series? Were you an avid watcher of that? Not really. Oh, it's the greatest that, car, cartoon series of the '90s. Even though '80s uh, '80s cartoons are better than '90s cartoons in my. Opinion. Is that the, the Batman Beyond ones? Is that what you're talking? No, about? no, Batman before that was '99. No, I don't think I did. The only the uh, other cartoons I ever saw of, of Batman was when they went on Scooby Doo. Those are good. Are. I got that. On, I got that on Blu-ray. I'm upstairs for my kids. Yeah. All 37 those, of them. Those are my favorite because they're drawn really cool, like like the comics, and the colors are just like the comics. I like those. Dimitri, our mutual, ones. our mutual friend George Carlino was a big fan of the Scooby-Doo Batman stuff. It's my cousin, bro. Love yeah, him. Great guy. Oh, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah. So Dark Knight Returns. That was great. That was uh, Michael. 
Oh God, it was he. He was in Lost. He was in the. He was on the show Lost. Never watched Lost. Okay, well neither did I. But anyways, um, hold on. Let me look it up real quick. Sorry, I always do this. I always fact check myself. <laughs> um, no, but Wayne, if you ever do have a chance, if you ever want to use my DC Universe membership, I will. I was gonna use it yesterday, and uh, they, they're they're gonna cancel that soon, right? Say what? Well, now they got the HBO Max, right? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. That's what I heard, that they might implement it into HBO Max. If that's the case, then I'm going to have to read every Batman graphic novel that I can, <laughs> every issue that I can. Um, oh, it was Michael Emerson who played the Joker in Dark Knight Returns. And he did a sort of like a Paul Lind uh, type version of it, which I thought was very original and very good. Um, my second favorite animated Joker. But anyway, getting back to the live action ones. So in 2008, we get The Dark Knight, which hands down, many people say, is the best Batman live action film. I didn't realize it was that long ago. It's 12 years old now, officially. Wow. Damn. And it was 19 years after Jack Nicholson played him. Hmm. So here we have Heath Ledger, an Australian, who... Fresh off of uh, Brokeback Mountain. No, he did something. In <laughs> no, I, no, I know. Did he do the? It, I don't know. Grim or the imaginary imaginarium of Doctor Per? per I'm not. I'm not say so. Whatever his name I'm is. I'm not a movie guy. I don't know. But anyways, though, so I remember again similar controversy to when Nicholson played uh, the Joker. Everyone was like Heath Ledger. And I was. You were one of the people that are like, "What the hell were they thinking?" Yeah, I'm like, "How the hell are they getting this guy to play the Joker?" I'm like, "He's not." I was like. He doesn't even look like the again. He don't look like the Joker. That's why when they when I heard Jared Leto was playing the Joker, I got excited because he has a thin face. He just yeah. did that that AIDS movie. With, what was it called? Uh, he played the AIDS pa- Silver patient. Dot, Silver Dot Silver Lines Playbook. Something. It was him and the other dude with the curly hair from Daisy uh, Confused. Right? Yeah, McConaughey, and uh, he was all thinned out like a like a junkie, and he looked perfect i'm like oh that's the perfect casting for joker and he's a great actor but i was wrong again (laughs) well i remember in the summer of 2007 they did the reveal of heath ledger as the joker and you see this guy in white powdered makeup with a glasgow smile and i'm like what the fuck are they doing to the joker it was sheer horror and sheer excitement. I'm like, this is going to be good. And I, and I was not disappointed. And the worst thing about it is the fact that the poor guy died before it was released. Never got right. to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Left behind a beautiful daughter. God rest his soul. Um, a testament to his portrayal of the character that he won. And I'm not one who takes stock in the Oscars at all. Oh, he won one too for, for best uh... supporting actor. Yeah, uh, Well deserved. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it uh, a lot. I thought he did. I thought he did his interpretation of the character of the Joker much justice. And again, you could see where they lifted elements of previous Batman comics, such as the Killing Joke, the multiple choice background, as well as some elements of the Dark Knight returns in there, and. Um, you know, it, it, 
almost similar to the way the Joker killed Jason Todd in Death in the Family, the way he set up the possible deaths of Rachel Dawes and um, Harvey Dent, who later became Two-Face. To see uh, Christopher Nolan pay that much attention to the history of the character of the Joker and involve that in the film The Dark Knight, as a fan, I walked away very happy with it. Wayne, your take? It was the first Batman of uh, Christian Bale that I ever saw. And the only reason why, I didn't want to watch the other ones. I, I just want to watch the movies with the Joker in it. And that's why I went to go see this one. And I was very happy with it. I was a little weird off. He had long hair. I'm like, why does the Joker have long hair? What am I missing from the comic books? You know, where'd that come from? And then uh, the other thing that bothered me when he was in the movie and he's talking about the scars on his face, when did the Joker ever consider those scars? Well, again, you got to take into account Christopher Nolan wrote his Batman series the way a BBC murder mysteries would have uh, played out. So I think he tried to uh, write them with some kind of hint of realism. For example, if somebody actually fell into a vat of toxic waste, they wouldn't get their skin bleached white, they'd die. (laughs) So, you know, giving him the Glasgow smile and him painting it over with lipstick Mm. is more realistic than that. So that's probably what he was thinking yeah, which guess, again but, um, was an interesting take on it yeah but yeah he worked i mean he was very evil which was really good made it made that movie probably the best batman movie ever i think but was he really evil because there are a lot of websites out there that say that the joker was the hero the, right yeah of the trilogy yeah i can see that too but he was just, he was very dark he was darker than jack nicholson was I think. Agreed. I'd say so. Dimitri, your take? The, the things that he did, like when he put the people on the boat and he was going to blow up the boat and blow up the bridge and all this other stuff, it's like, you know, the other, the other uh, Jack Nicholson just want to give everybody an, an enema, you know? And then this guy wanted to like freaking blow people up. So this that, town know. needs an enema. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I loved his portrayal of the Joker. He hit it. I mean, he hit game-winning, bottom of the ninth, three balls, two strikes, grand slam, game seven home run. MVP quality. Uh, only reason because we said we had the clown prince and we had the mobster. What else are you going to do about the Joker? Well, he changed it. He made him an anarchist. He made him somebody. He took a different take on the Joker that felt so pure, so realistic, had so many layers to it. Yet, it fits into reality, right? Yeah. Uh, you said, you know, he, some people consider him the, the, the hero. Well, good and evil is only a difference of point of view, you know? Just like good Jedi and the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I love the fact that he's an open book. Talks about how his dad gave him the scars, then other people are, are insinuating that he's a military expert because of his knife throwing and knife expertise and the fact he blew up the hospital dressed as a nurse and that he was suffering from PTSD. There's so many theories. And I think that was done intentionally by uh, Christian, uh, I mean by uh, Chris Nolan because Chris Nolan, in my opinion, is an amazing movie uh, maker. One of my favorite films of all time. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Memento. Is nope, the prestige. Great movie. One of my favorites. 
one of my favorites, and Christian Bale's in that one too. But uh, <laughs> yes, with with Scarlett Johansson and Hugh Jackman, um, and Michael Caine and Alfred. But uh, this movie I thought was one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. You know, it was up there to me as the greatest comic book movie of all time until Avengers came out. Um, I thought if you take Batman and you put him in present day and you have to make it realistic, how can you do it? I think Christopher, uh, correct, you won't Christopher. Well, his name is Christopher. Chris Nolan hit the nail right on the head. I think he just dropped the ball with the third movie. That was it. Well, the, the rumor behind that is apparently he wanted um, Heath to come back for the third film, but of course Heath passed away, so he was scrimmaging. How the hell am I going to complete this? So it was the same problem with this film that I say was the same problem with Spider-Man 3. You put too many characters in one movie, it kills yeah. it. I mean, think about it. You Hold on a second. You're telling me you didn't mark out for dancing goth Tobey Maguire? Moving right along. I like this. <laughs> I hate that fucking movie. Really? <laughs> Listen, uh, me being a fanboy of comics, me me drawing comic books, and obviously you see the McFarlane Spider-Man behind my shoulder. That's my favorite Spider-Man, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I'm a big, big. My favorite costume in all the comic history is the black Spider-Man suit, right? Uh -huh. yep. Right. The fact that they made a movie about it and they took certain scenes out of the comic and, and brought it to life on screen, which was cool. But the fact that they didn't give that suit to Spider-Man, I thought killed the movie. The fact that they didn't book like a Brock Lesnar type of guy to play Eddie Brock right. killed the Venom character. You know, I'm not that Topher Grace did a bad job, but I mean, come on now. Look, in my opinion. It, it wasn't, it wasn't the right guy. You know what I'm saying? And then, it, like, I mean, there were a lot of freaking people and, you know, they put 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag in that movie. Um, I just think the last movie I thought as far as the Nolan trilogy goes, I mean, supposedly he filmed some scenes from that he didn't use in two. They were talking about using it in Arkham and three. I just thought it was all over the place, like too many plot holes, you know, yeah. some guy, some Batman hasn't been Batman for a certain amount of years. Some guy shows up at his door, says, Hey, I know you're Batman. How did you figure it out? Okay. You're right. Now fuck off. You know, <laughs> come on. Like, like, it just didn't. It just felt like yeah, fuck. I'm contractually obligated to put out a good movie. I can only do so much with my with with what I got. Uh, number one, number two were tens out of tens. This movie was like a six and a half for me, maybe a seven, if that high. So he was like, "Ah, oh, let me just there you go." So, you know, it is what it is. But it's it's funny because I really thought X Men two. Uh, in 2003 was um, Marvel hitting a, uh, a watermark. Oh, yeah. That film. And then, like, after that was a slew of really bad films. Then DC bounced back with Batman Begins. And then it was another slew of bad films until Iron Man came out. And then it said, ah, there's hope. And then Dark Knight, I felt, revamped that hope for a yeah. good comic book film. And 2012... You know, it was the year of Avengers versus the Dark Knight Rises. Avengers won the war that year for Marvel. But um, still can't take away from the greatness that was the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. He made the film. Oh, absolutely. He made the film. Absolutely. Do you think that movie could have done better without Bane in it? Do I think Dark Knight Rises would have been better without Bane? Yeah. 
I think it should have just been a Bane Batman film. Yeah, I, I do too. Because I it, mean, no just, offense. It, 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 like like it did. With, like we were just talking but, about with the uh, Spider-Man movie, just too much stuff into one movie when they could have just focused on the Joker and Batman. Yeah, they could have done Nightfall. Yeah. You know, they could have done Nightfall. Yeah, they could have broke his back, Batman's back. And like they did in the movie, yeah. And they could have had something like um, maybe in the beginning of the movie you have a young Robin. Yeah. You know? And then Bane shows up, breaks Batman's back, and it's an older actor playing Robin on the, on the cusp of becoming Nightwing. Yeah. And, he, and then he takes the mantle. And then Batman coaches him to defeat uh, I don't know, defeat Bane and then maybe it didn't work and he has to suit up one last time for, and take Bane out to save Gotham and then passes the mantle on to Dick Grayson as, as, as Batman. Who knows? Instead of Azrael, you know what I mean? They could twist yeah. it like that. Yeah. So who knows? But they didn't, so whatever. Yeah, it's easy to play armchair quarterback and I'm guilty of that as well of saying that, you know, like Nolan could have done such a better job but the truth is I think he was really depending on having Heath Ledger in that third film. And if he wasn't a film, it would have been a better film. I definitely. I'll tell. So. I'll tell you one thing. One of the best spots in in that that movie was in looks like Joey, like he like the Joker was gonna fall to his death, like in '89, and mm-hmm. Batman grabs him for that false finish. Everybody in the oh, theater, yeah, including yeah. myself, was like, "Not again!" Oh, oh, he's alive! Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I did my Eddie Murphy impersonation. Aha! Aha! Very good. Uh, definitely, definitely. But okay, so all Hank Green hands down Heath Ledger. Uh, now it's moving on to Jared Leto. Dimitri, I'm gonna let you go first because you praised the character. <laughs> look, Jared Leto had the look. He had the look minus the tattoos and the and the silver teeth, right? I mean, the tattoos looked okay, but I would have seen Joker henchmen who work from rock those tattoos rather than Joker. I understand what they were trying to do, trying to make him a little new age. There are even theories that it was really Jason Todd being the Joker. That's why he had the J and the damage tattooed on his head. Those never came to fruition. Who knows? But my opinion, he did play the psychopath well. I just think that we can't compare apples and oranges. We have a whole film with Nicholson. We have a whole TV series with Romero. We have a whole TV series voiced by Hamill and movies. And we have a whole t- uh, uh, movie done remarkably well on a different take by uh, Heath Ledger. And then we get this guy in cameo appearances, you know, uh, sporadically throughout the movie as the Joker to where 70, 80% of what he shot was left on the cutting room floor. So we're comparing to maybe, what, 20 minutes of film time? I was going to say, how, how long was he possibly in that movie? Minutes. It yeah, tops, it? not even. And it tops. And it just, you can't it's, compare. It's I hard mean, to judge what, how good of a Joker he could have been because he barely was in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And to me, it was a slap in the face if you asked me when they cast a Joaquin Phoenix to play the Joker. I don't, we're, done. we're done. Goodbye. Well, no, I'm not saying it was a slap in the face. <laughs> not not a slap in the face to the fans, but to Jared Leto, because he didn't get a chance to get his movie in and you know live through the echelons of history as great actors to take over that character. So he's always looked at as the black sheep or the black stain of the uh, of everybody on that list. Right. Not saying Joaquin Phoenix did a bad job, though Joaquin Phoenix did a great job. But we'll touch base on him with that movie. But as far as um, Oh, what Jared Leto did, he's the most accurate-looking Joker, minus the tattoos, as far as uh, height, body-wise, body body-wise, and all that stuff. 
I kind of like the fact that he was wearing a black leather, I mean, a purple leather raincoat. And I kind of liked him in the, in the tuxedo, you know, when he was trying to save Harley Quinn. But again, there's not enough meat on the bone to, 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 to make an, uh, a good valid analysis with this thing, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah I'd like to see that extra added uh, footage that they have, like that we were talking about earlier, that, that ever comes can. out. Yeah. I, I definitely want to see it. Cause I, it was like we said, it was just not enough in there to judge how actually good he could have been, you know? Absolutely. I, it was just too gangster for me. It, it just, it was just weird. But if I, I saw more of it, maybe I would have got into it more. I called him emo gangster Joker yeah. <laughs> on Facebook just... many years ago. But uh, <laughs> let me ask you this though: um, Are either of you guys fans of the series Gotham? I was till the I last was. episode, to the last season. Yeah, the last too. season. Okay. Did you like Cameron Monaghan's? Um, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. That was one of the high spots and one of the high best things out of all of it. The fact that he ended up playing two different characters mm-hmm. when you first thought it was a Joker, then they, they tricked you as a false yeah. finish. Then they brought him back as his twin. Spoiler alert, everybody. I just did not like the last episode. The last episode they made uh, the Penguin oh, character, Penguin and Riddler like Laurel and Hardy. You know what I mean? Like comic relief. Mm. You know, they, 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 they sped up to the future. It was stupid. They finished the, I, and to, the guy who played the penguin, I thought did a fantastic job. Yeah, and if you think yeah. about it physically, Cameron Monaghan does physically look like a Joker, the skinny, you know. Yeah, it, um, yeah. and he played him very well. It had a really good laugh too. I mean, oh yeah, you know. So I, I, I like the fact he cut his face off like the Scott Snyder, like he did yeah. in his run, yeah. well, stuff like that. This one, I got a lot of yep. props here. <laughs> that was I was gonna wear cool. it, but you don't do video. Um, yeah, that was regardless. I, yeah. I was glad that we got to see that uh, version of the Joker in some medium. That was um, impressive, and it was even more impressive the fact that they were even able to do it on a network television show. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping they would put him in the, into a movie, but for some reason they just don't put the good actors that are on the TV shows into the movies. No, but they do you put know? decent actors <laughs> in the movies into the TV shows, like uh, yeah. and Ralph on yeah. uh, in the Crisis on Two on uh, Two Earths. That was pretty yeah. cool. You know, enough for nothing. The, the Gotham thing, you know, no one thought it was going to work, but they made it work, you know, and I thought, it, I thought it was done well. The acting in it was done well for all the characters. The only character I wasn't really too cool on was the... Uh, um, Fish Mooney. I thought it was stupid. Yeah, J- no, no, Jada Pinkett Smith character, yeah. Fish Mooney. And I laugh every time I hear that name because uh, not, I don't know how many Greek listeners you have out there, but the word Mooney in Greek means vagina. I mean, think about that. And, and when you're calling it Fish Mooney, you know, it's just like, come on, it has to be a Greek guy writing this up in the back, you know, ribbing everybody about it. I'll but, never watch it the same way now, Demetrius. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. Now, now I'm thinking back to my old school ECW days when Francine would come out and we yell out, I smell fish. I nice. smell fish. Oh, and the other thing I didn't like was the, the Barbara Gordon thing. When, oh, you mean the 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 wife of yeah. um, Jim? Well, Gordon. that was, yeah, 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 the wife of Jim Gordon. Yeah, because Barbara Keene was Barbara uh, Keene. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and then they she left him. They, yeah, left him and turned him turned her into the psychopathic guy. But she wasn't Barbara Gordon. She was just Barbara Keene. This is true. They were only engaged. They were they were they were only engaged. She never got married, and she wasn't. Uh, I mean, they had a kid, and mm-hmm. right in the in the film. Or in the in the TV stories, didn't no. he knock her up by accident? No, I don't think so. Because he was banging Deadpool's girl, and then the Deadpool's girl became a doctor in like some raw underground yeah. type of freaking scenario, that. Fight Club. I don't remember, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think they ever had a kid though. 
No, I don't remember that either. But then again, I haven't watched season four yet. Um, so I have to watch. Yeah, it. I forgot all about that. When I said it was canceled, I was just like, why am I going to bother watching last season? Well, it landed 100 episodes. So if they wanted to syndicate it, they could. They could have. But it's on Netflix. So, you know, the, um, but I, I really liked his uh, interpretation of the Joker. Um, Manahan's, not Leto's. Um, but I am willing to give the Ayer director cut a chance. If it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, it comes I mean, out, if it comes out. If it does come out, again, this all depends on the success of Justice League, the Snyder Cut. So. Well, I was watching the show, uh, the movie uh, Suicide Squad with my kid the other day, and I had it on Blu-ray, and I, I finally opened it. And there was an extended edition. I didn't even... We're watching it late. I fell asleep like I always do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, she liked it. And I told her, I said, the movie is good up to the third act. Then it falls apart when you have the dancing witch where she's dancing in front of the Ghostbuster building with all that nonsense going on, you know? But then I look at the premise of the movie, though they're like, what if we get a team of superhuman individuals to fight a superhuman? Okay. Nobody on the team was superhuman. Deadshot's not a superhuman, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Captain Boomerang wasn't superhuman. Harley Quinn wasn't superhuman. Killer Croc is not superhuman, right? I don't yeah. think he is. Um, who else was on the team? The Katana chick from the outside is not superhuman. You know, General Flag's not superhuman. So I'm like, the premise of the whole movie is wrong. You know, and, and the main villain of the movie should have just been the Joker. Then it would have been a just better, you know, a great film. Because then you put the one of the lead characters in such a rock and a hard place position where you have, she has to decide whether to go with, Pudding, Mr. J, or her freedom and worked some years off her sentence with the team of, I guess, family she now adopted in the Suicide Squad. I thought would have made a much better movie, but what do I, what do I know? Right? I will say this, though. The Suicide Squad definitely cemented um, uh, oh, man, with the actress who played Harley Quinn, um, Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. um, as an iconic... Um, actress now in the comic book. Uh, oh yeah, uh, live action field. Yeah. Well, look, she she was she was on Wolf of Wall Street. She did a great job on Wolf of Wall did. Street. I think she that faked, I, she faked a Brooklyn accent so perfectly. I oh, yeah. was sold. She was also in another movie with with Will Smith. I forgot what it was. I think it was a pickpocketing movie. I think I remember watching. I just don't remember the name of it. Something to do with like con artists and pickpockets. But I thought Will Smith did a fantastic job as as Deadshot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it was, I mean, whatever. Hopefully, yeah, in the they, movie they... itself, it was good. It's just the Joker parts are just like, that's it, you know? Disappointing. But, uh, all right, yeah. So, like I said, thing I'm going to take away from this is I'm definitely going to give it a shot if they do release it. So, moving on to the final film incarnation of the Joker, done by Joaquin Phoenix. Now, this was completely different from every other interpretation because this actually showed the Joker as a sympathetic. Um, I don't know if this is the PC term or not, but fuck it, I'm going to say it anyways. Mental patient. Mm-hmm. You know, who yeah. this is 1980s New York City. We're talking, sorry, Gotham City, which <laughs> it was shot in the South Bronx and some other areas around there. Wasn't it late 70s? I thought it was yeah. late 70s. You could be right. Early 80s, I don't no, remember. I, it was, I think it was 80 or 81 because if you look, there's a, there's a scene where they're shooting outside of a movie theater and it was some film. It might have been Maniac. Uh, the Joe Spinell film, 
and that came out in 8081. And I think that was the name of the marquee. Again, these are stupid things that I noticed in films. I can't help it. But uh, it takes place in 8081. So at that time, New York City was still coming, um, was still getting over the riots of 77. It was still, you know, um, it was nowhere near the upswing that it would come to in the, in the Giuliani era. So there was, it was, it was crime ridden. It was, you know, trash infested. So it looked, Gotham City in 81 looked like New York City in 81. So there's that authenticity there. You're seeing um, Arthur Fleck's character go for um, his medicine from a social worker. So, and, and, you know, just, just the way that the setting was for the film made it feel more realistic than I would say Ledger's interpretation of the Joker because he was, he was a character who did have mental issues and was trying to fix them. And you see the struggles that he goes through on a daily basis till by the end of the film, he just snaps. And the funny thing is, this is the first time that I ever heard the Joker be referred to as an anti-hero, not as an agent of chaos, not as a villain, not as an anarchist, but as an anti, a sympathetic anti-hero. And, you know, the biggest question that I'm asked is, Who's in person? Whose whose version of the Joker do you like better, Le- uh, Ledger's or Phoenix? And the truth is, I don't think you could compare because it's two different characters. It's the same characters, but it's completely different interpretations, and both work well for their films. Agreed. You can't, in my opinion, you can't compare any any of the actors' portrayal of, of the Joker, Nicholson's to Leto to Ledger to. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix to Romero's, you know, you can't, or even to the kid, like we were in Monaghan, none of them. They all hit a, a different aspect of the Joker. The Joker, as we know from the comic books, is a very convoluted character. Like he says, my, my origin is multiple choice, right. right? There's many layers to him. There's many different scenarios. There's many different Elseworlds uh, storylines, whatever the case may be. But you can't really compare because each movie, it's like it's like being a ring general in wrestling. For me to explain this pro- properly to whoever's listening, you get in the ring. If the crowd wants to see A, B, and C, you got to deliver A, B, and C. And usually the heel, the villain is the lead or, or is the uh, ring general in the match, controlling the flow in, of the match. And when we do that, we have to feed off the character, uh, off the uh, the crowd, and give them what they want. The A, B, and Z, A, B, and C. If you have X, Y, Z plan, and you go out there and give them X, Y, Z when they want A, B, and C, you're kind of basically pissing in the wind. They're not going to come back and buy a ticket for the next show. So you know, wrestling, even though it's not acting, it's reacting. It's almost the same thing because we had Batman '89 where it was all underworld mobster. So Joker had to be a mobster. We had Batman 66, campy cartoon, clown prince. Then we had the realism of the Nolan trilogy with the, and then we had the realism of um, Heath Ledger's, Ledger's Joker being an anarchist, you know, taking a different take on it, but it fit the mold. Each mold that the movie represents, in my opinion, had, that they, and, the, and the surroundings that the movie presents, these joke with the Joker has to adapt to it. You know what I'm saying? So that's why each one is different. Because like you said, I mean, to me, I mean, if I, if you don't mind me going first, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker 
was good. A little overhyped in my opinion. The whole film was overhyped in my opinion. It was a good film because I'll tell you why. The movie isn't about the Joker. No. The movie loses itself within itself and it becomes a movie about mental illness. Right. And even even at the end when he's sitting there laughing as he's talking to the to the lady and she goes, What's so funny? I'm just thinking of a joke. You wouldn't understand. You wouldn't get it. Now people are saying the whole movie was just him thinking about what happened. That was a joke he was talking about. And none of it happened. Mm-hmm. So who knows if that's a scenario? Who knows what we saw was what we saw? Because when we saw Domino, the chick from Deadpool, I forgot her name, uh, plays girlfriend. Zazzy Beats plays girlfriend. And then we find out that she, that never they really never together. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, that's a seed in the pond they're dropping in the beginning that may lead to something that needs to pay off later on. And it never really paid off because we don't find out if we killed her or her kid. And then later on, the only thing that happens is he's sitting there. He doesn't have his white makeup on, right? His hair isn't green anymore. He's sitting in a mental asylum. So the whole thing could have just been a crazy a crazy dream or a thought process or a joke he's telling himself because he's crazy. So it kind of loses himself. His portrayal of a mentally ill patient who put clown makeup on and called himself the Joker was fantastic. He played it. He played it great. But you could have called the freaking movie Scuba Steve, or you could have called the movie, you know, Nacho Fucking Libre, and it still would have been as good because it wasn't really about the Joker. It was just about a mentally ill individual who happened to wear clown makeup. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's a different take, but at the same time, it loses itself. It's not a comic book movie. It's a movie about mental illness, in my opinion. And it's a great movie. It's a good movie, but it's not Joker. Like, we go to, it's like if you want to go eat vanilla ice cream, you're going to go get vanilla ice cream. But if there's honey in it, chocolate in it, strawberry in it, it's not vanilla ice cream. It's not vanilla ice cream. It's just ice cream. You know what I mean? It's just like if you, uh, you want to go see, uh, I don't know, uh, a wrestling match, and you go there, and they're doing thumb wrestling and sumo wrestling in the ring, or Greco-Roman wrestling, it's not pro wrestling, you know? It just, whatever it is. The same thing about deathmatch wrestling, but... Um, you just ruined my all-time favorite movie. <laughs> no, I'm not, look, that's just my opinion. Look, I, I like, again, I, I liked it. I liked the movie. Everyone was saying, like, it was the second coming of Jesus. Like, it was so disturbed. Oh. It it's was. not disturbed. It, is. it was. You ever see Faces of Death, bro? That's disturbed. No, I didn't want to watch that. Okay. I, yeah. I, I know about those. No. I, Wayne and I had a discussion about the movie Hannibal, <laughs> Cannibal, Holocaust, and he was Hannibal like, Hannibal Holocaust. What? Yes, Hannibal Holocaust. <laughs> and he asked me, "What the fuck on God's green earth would make you watch it?" And I told him, "Sheer intrigue, you know." And um, we'll put it this way: You ever see a car accident? Or better yet. You ever see two dogs? Uh, you ever see two dogs having sex on the side of the road? I see my dog hump his pillow bed. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, you walk by the first. Holy shit! So that's what two dogs having sex looks like. You walk by. You walk. You walk by the third, fifth time. It's already watered down in your mind. So watching this film again, second, third, tenth time, it gets watered down. The appeal, in my opinion, gets watered down because you went in there expecting to see a Joker film. You got there. And at the end of the film, if you really pay attention, it's more about mental illness than it is the Joker. Mm-hmm. Anybody could have been, Joaquin Phoenix could have been anybody in that film. 
all he was was a psychotic killer with clown makeup on. We've seen that in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But instead yeah. of it being a demon, it was a mentally ill patient. The movie was good for what it was, as in as a standalone Elseworld film to try to give some, uh, in my opinion, some credibility and a different layer to the Joker. Yeah, but it's not my Joker. You know, it's, it's not the Joker that I'm used to. I'm glad you said Elseworlds because a lot of people who consider themselves fans of the character, the Joker, but have never read the comics, they don't understand what Elseworlds is. And basically, it's the, it's the DC multiverse. And, um, you know, us being fans of, the, of, of comic books, like, we understand that. But, you know, people who aren't, you have to understand that, like, we're not, we're not guys who just picked up comic books yesterday after having watched, you know, Dark Knight or Batman Begins or whatever and say, we're fans. Like, we grew up fans of the comics first. It's you knuckleheads that go to Comic-Con and cosplay that are ruining it for everybody else. And you don't even know what the hell you're talking about when you say that you're a fan. But that's what Elseworlds is. Now, Wayne, is this, in fact, your favorite film? Yeah, I think so. And when I saw this in the movie theater, I was just, like, blown away of just how good it was. Listen, I was blown away too, but I blown I was blown away for different reasons. I thought it was a good film. I wasn't great blown away story because line. yeah, the great story great storyline. But I but I wasn't blown away because it was a good Joker film. You know what I'm saying? That that the character could have just been John Smith and put it on a clown. That's what I'm saying. It lo- the Joker itself, he loses that Joker identity to what causes him to be the Joker in the film, and that's just a good fucking film about mental illness. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I, I totally get it. But you're not wrong for being your favorite movie. Sorry, Lou. You're not wrong to be your, your, your favorite movie. I'm not one of these guys that, 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 that gets on a soapbox and says, what I think is right, what you think is wrong. No, if you don't agree not. with me, we can't be friends. Not at all. Like my favorite Star Wars film is the original 1980 version of Empire Strikes Back. But I could say that having seen the original trilogy, the prequels and the sequels, yeah, the sequel trilogy, Having seen all of them, I could say Empire is my favorite film. So to me, it is the best film. But I'm speaking strictly for myself. I'm not speaking for anybody else. But uh, the reason why I love the Joker film so much is that it reminded me of three of my favorite movies, all kind of rolled into one. The one I mentioned before, which was Maniac with Joe Spinell, uh, directed by um, oh, uh, William... William Lustig, um, a 1980 slasher film. It reminded me of that mixed with Taxi Driver, mixed with another Scorsese film called The Gang of Comedy. Yeah. Where in that film, it's De Niro playing the Joker role. In this case, De Niro and the Joker is playing the Jerry Lewis role, where he's the talk show host. And you want to talk about a film about mental illness, I can't think of a better film than The King of Comedy other than the Joker. So you combine the three of them, and then, you, like you said, Dimitri, you put a guy in white clown face, and you have a very good standalone Elseworlds Joker film. You know, and in my opinion, it was a combination of those three films. i never seen that Taxi Driver. I really got to see it. Because everybody, every, everybody compares it to Joker. So I, I got to see it. Well, you got to think about it like, like this. The grittiness of Taxi Driver. Again, it's 1975, 1976, New York. Right before the riots broke out. Right when New York was 
at the beginning of, well, not even the beginning. It was in the midst of Times Square pornographic, you know, like hooker on every street, you know, show world taking up the entire 8th Avenue city. The good old days. The good old days, exactly. Just kidding. So, (laughs) you know, 25 cent peep show. So that's what Taxi Driver, you know, that's the New York that it represented. It was hopeless. Think about the New York hardcore scene that came up in the 80s. It was a result of that hopelessness. Mm. That's the Ramones, right? The Ramones were the 80s? Or that, they were the 70s? Ramones were 70s, actually. That was, that was the CBGB's era of punk. Um, I grew up a fan of the 80s CBGB's era of hardcore, so bands like Agnostic Front and Carnivore and things like that. I, mean, I love the Ramones, don't get me wrong. To me, the first punk band ever, but... I grew up more of a fan of the hardcore scene than than the punk scene. But, you know, if you combine that and you combine the tragic char- uh, the tragic characters in the film, um, King, of, King of Comedy, mixed with the gritty um, serial killer realness of Maniac, and that's what I was thinking as I was watching this film. And again, my wife, to her credit, said, you know, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I said, I want to go see the Joker film. So my in-laws watched my daughter. We went to the movies before COVID. And um, <laughs> and uh, we got to enjoy it. And we were both like, you know, the scene where he shoots um, Robert De Niro in the film. She was like, why didn't you warn me that was going to happen? I said, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't see that coming. Come on. I, I didn't, but the build up to that was Perfect. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. it was. And that's why I think that movie was just so awesome. And if you think about it, is an exact, not an exact lift, but you could tell that The Dark Knight uh, Returns, the scene where Joker goes with uh, Dr. Wolper on the David Endocrine show and kills everyone on that, it's similar to that. Again, mm-hmm. I think Todd Phillips lifted from that scene in that, in that graphic novel for this film. But that was probably the only time in the entire film where I thought anything was lifted from a previous Joker story. Agreed. Well said. Um, Go ahead. Also, the other parts I like in that movie, when the the midget comes in with the other guy, I don't even know what the other guy's name was. Listen, the other guy's a good actor. He's the the lawyer from Billions. I've never seen that either. I'm terrible with movies. No, no. Billions is a TV show that you should watch on, uh, on Showtime. Very, very good TV show. Billions. I'm trying to remember that, but uh, yeah, when he he let the midget go, or he wasn't yeah, going go, and then he shoots that guy. <laughs> nice but Dad didn't expect that, you know. Just shit like that was just fucking hilarious. Oh, I thought, and then he couldn't get out because the lock was too high. Yeah, the lock was too high. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so many funny things, and and I like the mental illness thing because you know I got some family members that deal with mental illness, and so it was a little bit you know realistic for me, or you know a, a real topic, you know, for a lot of people. Uh, it was just cool to see somebody actually. I mean, it's, it's sad to see somebody snap to that point where they, you know, do what they do. But uh, it, it was well, just it very interesting. Day. No, yeah, look, I was just about to say that. It, listen, that could be any one of us. All you need is one yeah. bad day. That's it. One bad day, you know, and just like that that Kirk Douglas movie. No, is it Michael Douglas? Kirk Douglas falling down? Oh, my. Uh, yep. oh yeah. Was, yeah. I, I seen that one. See? So, <laughs> look. Directed by Joel Schumacher. Joel, rest in peace. But what the fuck were you thinking with Batman Forever after Listen, down? Schumacher made Lost Boys, bro. He made Phone Booth. He's a good director. Just those two movies uh, were influenced by the studios to sell Happy Meals. 
He had no choice. Listen, when they're paying you a lot of Scarol to direct, and they say, hey, look, this is what we want. Here's your check for you know millions upon millions of dollars. What are you going to say? No, artist integrity? Uh, no, nah, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> give me the money. I got to buy a new beach house in Malibu and, you know, hookers and coke ain't cheap. Got to do what I got to do. Um, but yeah, look, the movie itself, Tom, Todd Phillips did a, a fantastic job, right? I thought he did, directed a great film. I don't think they should do a sequel. I think they should leave it the way it is. And it'll, it will definitely stand the test of time. And, it, and it's an homage that you said to Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, I believe Scorsese was supposed to be producer of the film. I don't know if he bowed out or whatever. But um, to me, like I said, uh, it's a good film about mental illness. And, you know, any one of us can snap whenever, just like the character. It just, to me, wasn't a movie about the Joker. It was just a movie about mental illness. Doesn't make it a bad film? No, not at all. Did uh, Joaquin Phoenix not portray the Joker in the right light? No, he portrayed it in a great light because that's the story they were telling, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But, again, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I hope I didn't mess it up, you know? You know, I mean, it's your, still your favorite film. Great. It's still uh, my favorite film. I'm not going to let you get to me that bad. So, I'm not trying to get to you. <laughs> I, I, just, I feel bad. I feel like a heel now. I wasn't no. trying to. Oh, well, you are a heel, so it's all right. Well, I know, but, you know, that's only, that's only <laughs> no, when I, I get paid. Let... I don't let yeah. <laughs> I don't let nothing get to me. You know, Dimitri. You know, But um... listen, we all we all have guilty pleasures in life. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like my one of my guilty pleasures is Chinese democracy. Oh my god! There's a couple. Well, well because I do own it, and I own the one of GNR's best tracks. What? The title track of Chinese democracy is? is one of their best tracks. Like I love the. Sh- uh, there's a couple of tracks on there I really really love. Uh, I forgot the name of IRS, I think is one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Madagascar a, is a good one, too. Yeah, there's a couple of tracks, and I'm like, it's, is it the Guns N' Roses that I grew up with that I am infatuated with? No. Mm-hmm. Are they great songs, and they're called GNR? Fucking it, it's Axel, I'll take it. You know what I mean? So, And that actually reminds me, you were supposed to come on my show to talk about Yes, yes, and we can still do it. <laughs> Nobody cares about that anymore. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> we can't what? still do it, though. What's the discussion? The last Ozzy uh, album. The album. You don't like it? What? Get out of here, guy. Bro, crazy. Dude, listen, you got to understand. Randy Rhodes is my hero. Randy Rhodes is the reason why I, of all the guitar players out there, he's the reason, more than Tony Iommi and more than Eddie Van Halen, why I picked up a guitar player. He created the two best albums in 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 my opinion with with Ozzy and in my favorite album of all time is Diary of a Madman by Ozzy Osbourne and the stuff that Ozzy did with Jakey Lee was great the stuff that he did with Zach Wilde there was some good in there um I'll take Jake over Zach Wilde any day but I'll take Randy over all of it now I'm not expecting Ozzy to create anything comparable to what he did in 1980 and 1981. But I just didn't enjoy it. After oh, I four it. songs, I was like, I can't. I, the only I song I actually liked the on album. there was the one that he did with, uh, what the hell's that rapper? I just had it in my head and I lost it. Uh, Post Malone. 
Close Malone, the editor. That was a good song. Third looking guy. That was the only song I liked on that album. Well, listen, man. And don't get me wrong. I love hip hop. I mean, I in the 90s, I grew up a freaking fan of Dr. Dre and, and Onyx. You know, so like I I do love hip hop. Actually, I saw Onyx live. I've never been to a concert ever in my life. When did right? I see Onyx? I saw him live on Bell Boulevard in a teen club. I forgot the name of the teen club on Bell Boulevard that they had, but Onyx was performing there. We went, we and my, my friends and I all went there. And my dad was like, God rest his soul. My dad's like, look, you need to be out of the club by a certain time. And then I'll we'll bring you guys home. Well, that certain time came and went. Onyx didn't go on yet. Then they go on. And uh, they're playing. I'm like, guys, we got to bounce. My dad's outside. He's going to kick my ass. And then they're like, no, man, Onyx is on. So they did their set, and then I turn around, and I see my dad in the club. <laughs> and if you don't know Greek dads, straight from Greece, this guy Ain't looked at me. This guy looked at me. He bit his fist like this. Went, <laughs> he, was, he was like this, and I walked up to him, and I just worked on the fly. I'm like, look, that security reasons. They wouldn't let us out because the band was playing. They didn't want anyone coming in and out with the band's playing for security reasons. Get in the car. Oh, and lo and behold, I didn't get in trouble. Mm. Great walk and talk, work on the fly scenario. I'm still impressed to this day. I came up with that bullshit excuse. <laughs> but but I'm a huge hip-hop guy. Huge hip-hop. 80s and 90s hip-hop all the way. Huge heavy, heavy hair metal band, heavy metal, same here. I mean, I love all genre of music. So to me, I mean, I love the Ozzy album. I'm a big Ozzy guy. But Ozzy, like you said, Ozzy's like 795 years old. He's like the Yoda of heavy metal. You know, he's not going to... who. Yeah, regenerating. He, he's not going to be the same guy in the 80s. You know what I'm saying? He's going with gummy multivitamin bats now as opposed to real bats. <laughs> so it's going to be different because he has to adapt to his time, you know? Yeah. So I guess I just expected better, especially knowing that Elton Jones was being on the album. You know, these guest performances on the album, you know, and just to hear Ozzy sing the words, I'll make you defecate. It's like, oh, God. Oh, come on, bro. I loved it. I loved it, bro. I thought it was very catchy. Well, one song about the aliens. I love that song. Feel it to each their own. You hey, yeah, it. of course. That's awesome. I, of course, bro. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Look, but my, I don't my, grudge anybody their taste at all. Oh, no, not at all, bro. My younger brother's into death metal and all this other stuff. And he plays songs when he's picking me up from shows at the airport or whatever. And I'm like, oh, and I have a good friend of mine, Jerry Lynn. <laughs> Jerry Lynn, not to name drop, but oh, he's yeah, also yeah. into death metal. I have a story to tell you about Jerry Lynn, but go ahead. He's into death metal too. And you hear him talking in the car. He's like, oh, the nicest guy in the world, Jerry Lynn. And he's avid mark for death metal, you know, and all this stuff. And you, think you wouldn't expect, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't expect it. So, you know, right. it teach their own. Funny story about Jerry Lynn. So my friend, Eric Adams, Wayne, yeah. who, as you know, hosts Beyond Bushido on the Rat Style Review Network. He asked me if I can make him a mixtape of death and black metal. At the time I was at the, I was going to school at St. John's. I was in the college radio station. So I had access to like, you know, all the uh, metal stuff. When did you graduate college? I'm sorry. 2002. Okay. So I made uh, a mixtape of like different death metal bands, different black metal bands, and I gave him the cassette. And uh, Eric is a student of Johnny Rods. And he used to help out ECW when they would come to the New York area. He's actually uh, apparently related to Sal as well, Big Sal. Eric yeah, Adams? Eric Adams is related to Big Sal. Yeah. yeah. Funny story that. about Big Sal. Big Sal and I grew up in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Rosedale, Queens. Yeah. Mm. So I remember it was the last 
ECW show at the Elks Lodge before they debuted on TNN. And Eric said, hey, I want to do something nice for you. So he brought me backstage. And here I'm hanging out with Balls Mahoney, God rest his soul, Jerry Lynn. I got to say, you know, congratulations to Devon for making it to the WWE. And Jerry Lynn comes up to me and says, by the way, thank you for making me that awesome mixtape. I'm like, what? I made the mixtape for you? He said, yeah, man, you got really great taste. Thanks. I'm like, I made a mixtape Dude, for Jerry Lynn. You need, you, if you, if I, you need to get Jerry Lynn on. I'll try to set it up for you. But if you guys want to get him on and have a good, good podcast about music, he and Mikey Whipwreck are like music connoisseurs, dude. Especially Jerry. Jerry would be like, remember this song from 1973? Uh, such and such artist. He had one of the best lines in the song. He'll drop the line and you'd be like, what? Really? Okay, sure. I'll take it. I'll take you. I'll take you over it, Jerry. You're never wrong. So, I can yeah, man. Yeah, hook them up. Hook them up with us. I, I would even love That'd to, like, awesome. you know, talk to uh, you know, talk to him about music directly because when he used to wrestle in ECW, he came out to one of my favorite Fear Factory songs, "Scapegoat." Yeah. Every time that came on, I popped like Road Warrior popped. Nice, I, you know. So I was a huge Jerry Lynn Mark, and still am to this day. That guy's, oh my god, one of the best, criminally underrated, in my opinion, like yourself, Dimitri. One oh, thing thank I forgot you. to mention about Dimitri, the best unsigned talent in the world. The gr- well, no, you got to say the greatest unsigned talent. That's the tag on it. Because if I'm greatest unsigned, because if I say best unsigned talent today, then I'm just an ass. I'm a butt. Doesn't B U T T doesn't really flow too well. Got it. I know I'm Greek. I know I know I'm Greek, but we're staying away from that stereotype. You know. Yes, we don't comply with that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was the Romans. But anyways, any closing thoughts? Gentlemen, Wayne, you first. Uh, well, who was everybody's favorite Joker? I mean, what did we get out of this? Again, we're talking live action. Yeah. The, what we just discussed. Why are we going to add anything else in here? Heath Ledger did it for me. Heath Ledger. TGP. Mm, I'm going to say Heath. Only, oh, wait, all right, put it this way. I, I have a very... Uh, for me to make an analogy, to me, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hemming is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Better than the hockey dog, man? <laughs> Macho Man, second best by an eyelash, okay? So for the Joker, Heath Ledger right now, because the wind's blowing a certain direction, is the greatest Joker today for me. With Jack Nicholson, an eyelash behind I'm going to go Heath, too. I, even though the Joker movie uh, with Joaquin Phoenix is my favorite, Heath just did, Heath made me get back into Batman again. See, the cool thing about Heath, and the one thing I love the most is you're watching it, and you don't see Heath. You see the Joker. You see the Joker, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Watching Al Pacino do Scarface, you don't see Al Pacino. You see Tony Montana. Even though he didn't get nominated, the movie bombed in the box office. And a lot of people don't know it's a remake of uh, Al Capone's Scarface from the, thir- from, from the 50s, right? It's true, yes. Yeah, I, I know my movie things, guy. Don't worry. You're not the only nerd in this group. Um, you, guys might, you guys might have me on, on music, but, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, when you get a character like Johnny Depp, who's allegedly rumored to be the next Joker in the Batman, right? Really? Yeah. Um, John, 
Johnny Depp, you watch him as Jack Sparrow, you lose. You don't watch Johnny Depp anymore. You're watching Jack Sparrow. You know, there's certain times where you watch a certain character and they morph into that character and you just, your disbelief goes out the window. You forget you've seen the actor and you're just looking at the character. Yeah. Heath did that for me. Joaquin, Joaquin did a great portrayal, but it wasn't the Joker. It was just a guy who was mentally ill. Again, that's just my flavor of ice cream. Jack, in my opinion, played a great Joker. But like we all said in the beginning, it was Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson as the Joker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Jared Leto, there's not enough meat on the bone. Uh, and Romero, well, Romero's always going to be the OG. But again, he, you know, we're comparing, you know, G, PG to like Red R, PG-13 quality. It's kind of hard to compare him because he wasn't blowing up people dressing as nurses and stabbing people. He was just going, or whatever the hell he was doing. So that's my take. One thing to add to what he said about Johnny Depp, he loses himself in every character he plays. Yeah. He is not Johnny Depp playing Johnny Depp in anything. I mean, Edward Scissorhands, I'll always love him as a fan. Not a fan? No, no, not a fan. It's just, he, it's kind of hard not to lose yourself in that character when you're covered in scissors and makeup and all that, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I did love him in Black Mass. You guys seen Black Mass? I, I did not one. see that. Oh my God, he got snubbed. He should have been nominated for an Oscar. He played Whitey Bulger, a gangster from Boston. Fantastic film. Fantastic film. Him and the other dude, um, he played Obi-Wan Kenobi at uh, the end. Of the... No, 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 no. I'm not Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm sorry. Uh, Lars, Uncle Lars, at the end of episode three in the trilogy, when they're having whole handing off baby Luke. I forgot his name. Joel Edgerton. Okay. Joel, Joel Edgerton plays the cop in that movie. Both of them, fantastic, great movie. Never, didn't get nominated for his role, but I strongly suggest you. you he lo you lose him. He that you definitely just same thing in blow. Well, not even blow because he kind of still looks like Johnny Depp, but you definitely he definitely loses himself in that character in that movie. You know, he was great in blow. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Johnny Depp fan. I love all his films. I think he's a great actor. He's a very Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I didn't watch that. I refuse to watch that. Tim Burton, Tim Burton to me is not a great director. It's too morbid a lot of his stuff. I did love his '89 Batman. My oh, favorite Tim. I think that's where it ended with me. Yeah. Well, I like Big Fish. I thought Big Fish was a great movie mm. with you and McGregor. So you, you, if you guys want to, it's not morbid at all. It's very heartstringy because it has to deal with family and mortality and all that stuff. It's really cool. But uh, again, all the Tim Burton stuff is very morbid. It's not my cup of tea. So whatever. But uh, the best thing about this conversation was the fact that each of us got to have a conversation about it, got to talk about it, and in the end, it doesn't. It's not a matter of who's right or who's wrong. It's an, it's just a matter of you know what we think about those interpretations of the character and talking about it, and hopefully opening the listeners to a new perspective on how to look at the characters. And I really enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I uh, really, uh, I'm very grateful. Uh, to both uh, Wayne and Dimitri for helping me out of this. Thank you guys so much. No oh man, Did thanks. Us to come on. Yeah, man, this is this has been a great time. Look, uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me on. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. You, you guys are two two good guys. Uh, no matter what Ben says about you, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you guys are awesome, and this is what it's all about. People listening to this podcast now, 
We're in the year 2020, where up is down, down is up. We're, we're, it's just a mess. Probably the worst year in the history of years, right? With what's going on in this world. Like, like, like they said, some people just like the world, to watch the world burn. That's what's going on right now. Yep. But to sit back and have a civil discussion where we don't agree and not lose our cool and say, you know what? Okay, I see your point of view. You see my point of view. We don't need to agree. I respect your point of view. You respect my point of view. Your choices, my choices, so on and so forth. That's what it's all about, having an, a mature civil discussion. And that's it. It's not hard. It's not, it's not rocket surgery or brain science here. It's just being civil with one another and doing this correctly and just having a discussion. I mean, that's what separates us from primates and, ma- and fish and reptiles, the fact that we have the ability to talk and opposable thumbs. But, yeah, I, I've, I've been following this mantra of life. I tell people, you know, like, you believe what you want. I'll believe what I want. Don't force me to believe in the things that you do because I may not agree with it. And if that offends you, then you really need to double check your own belief system. Listen, man, we grew up, we grew up, our generation is the last generation. And I've said this before on the horseman. Our generation is the last generation to appreciate the journey to the destination where we reach, whether it's a career, whether it's relationships, whether it's point of view on a certain topic, right? Mm -hmm. We, We grew up drinking water out of a hose, riding in car without car seats, riding our bikes without bike helmets, right? No, you know, not sitting in front of a TV or or a telephone or a computer 24-7. We had to go to the library, use a Dewey Decimal System. We had World Book. We had Britannica. Those were, that was our Wikipedia, right? The reason why people nowadays are so easily offended and their way of life is, oh, Game of Thrones last season was the worst ever. I ruined eight years of my life. Yada, yada, yada. And everyone's so dramatic is because of the ease of accessibility and instant gratification they have in their fingertips. People don't know how to work hard. Everyone has a sense of entitlement. Our generation is the last generation to know what it is to, hey, guess what? In order for me to get what I want, I got to put in the work. And we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, you know, VR. We didn't have uber eats we had to walk go to the fast food store or go to the supermarket pick up our groceries guess what we didn't have dvr we had vhs we had to hit record and play at the same time to play, to play to play to record a show and we if we scrabbled porn <laughs> yeah I mean, you didn't uh, cover take the tab off or cover the tab up and then you'll tape over your shit it's ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> it's ridiculous what, what these kids, what these kids, and I sound like an old man now, but even though I feel like I'm 22 years old at heart, I feel very young for my age, right? You look it. Thank you. It's the superior Greek genetics that I have, but, uh, which I like. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it. Um, look at this freaking widow's peak. Come on. Yeah, it's hey, let's, look, man, I shave my head for convenience. I swear to God. Me too. Uh, um, <laughs> But of course, <laughs> listen. I thought you were cosplaying as Lex Luthor, to be honest with you. But, but uh, Professor X, <laughs> or Professor X, not for nothing, you'd be a better, better uh, Lex Luthor than the guy who played him from uh, BVS. That's for sure. Oh, but um, funny story about that, though. But I'll go say ahead, that. Go ahead. No, no. All right. So I graduated from my master's degree from Empire State College. Um, who was the actor that played Lex Luthor in BVS? I forgot his name. He was from Superbad. Yes. Um, oh, um, 
Nah. Not McLovin, the other guy. Yeah. The, no, the no, no, no. Scott was, Pilgrim no. guy? Yes, no, Scott Pilgrim. No, no, no. He was in... Um... No, that, that's Michael Sarah. No, he was... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it was Michael Sarah. The actor right. that played Luther was um, the actor from... Um... The fat kid. Zombieland. Eisenberg. Yeah, Jason Eisenberg. Eisenberg. Which Zombieland is fantastic. And Zombieland 2, fantastic. His father was my marketing professor in graduate school. Oh, nice. And I told him, I remember when I met him, I said, hey, I wish your son a lot of uh, luck with uh, playing Lex Luthor in uh, BVS. And he said, yeah, he better not fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, too bad. He did. Anyhow. But, but uh, uh, no, Dimitri, everything that you said was right, though. I mean, like, you know, we grew up in a culture where it's like, you know, we, you know, we had to earn everything that we did and everything every any kind of entertainment that we had, we appreciated and it didn't pander to us. It made us think, you know, and I think that's the advantage that like our generation had that, you know, kids today don't have is that they're not made to think they're just made to accept and believe yeah. And if anyone says I disagree, it's a freaking uproar. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, this is the deal, right? Back in the day, everybody was a tough guy, right? Everyone kept their mouth shut. Nobody was a tough guy, I mean, because they know they'd get punched in the throat if they said something out of line. Nowadays, you have keyboard tough guys trolling people on, on purpose just to get a rise out of somebody because they know they can hide behind their computer or whatever the case may be. But it's also perception is reality. The fact that we have all this in our fingertips, the select minority on Twitter or on any uh, forum that are complaining and making the most noise doesn't represent the actual population or the, the masses of a certain demographic. And that's the problem, right? You, you hear about people complaining, like even with, not to get a little political, but even the world today, right? All this nonsense going on with BLM and white versus black, that whole uh, angle that's going on about racism and this and that and the other. It's not the majority of people. I would say 99.5% of the people in this, on this planet are not racist. Right. Maybe, let's, let's, let's be more conservative. Let's say 95%, right? Yeah. Be- because all they care about, they, they care about their family and doing the right thing for their kids to have a better life, right? right? Whether it's a single mom, single dad, or the nuclear family, or whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, everyone's working hard or trying to get their foot going in the right direction for the betterment of their family. And nobody cares what the next person's doing in all honesty, right? No one cares about the color of their skin anymore. The only color that matters is the color of money, right? Green. But... The media takes the, that 5% of the 100% and they make they it, they it flip it and they make it seem and they perceive because that's the perception of reality. That's the majority of the world, the way they're acting. And everybody who's too busy realizing what life is really about takes it because no one reads articles anymore. They just read headlines. Right, right. No, one list, no one listens to anything anymore. They just listen to sound clips that are taken out of context or videos that are filmed out of content. And then and, and that's the world we live in because of instant gratification. So people are trading their free thought. They're trading their freedoms. They're trading their individuality for convenience. 
And unfortunately, it's reflecting on society as a whole. Not to get too deep, I'm sorry, guys. I know we're talking about the Joker, <laughs> no, but it's 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 not it's nothing to be sorry for. I mean, if anything, I I pretty much I agree with him, Wayne. Yeah, I mean, no, I do too. Points. Just like I, one of the shows that we were talking about like a few months ago, um, like we were talking about the the white people or bowing down to black people oh. saying they're sorry, and I said, why? Well, you didn't do anything. You know, the funny thing is, like, I had, I grew up with, and Dimitri, you grew up a hip-hop fan. So did I. I have so many friends of different persuasions. And you know what they tell me when I, when I, I ask them, like, what do you think of that? They're like, it's retarded. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, stupid. what are you trying to prove? Like, let's, look, just, let's, just, let's just start being cool with each other. You know? Now, look, like, whatever, Sorry, go ahead. What are you going to say? One, one of the questions that I was asked, well, what are you going to do to make this world better? And I told them, I'm going to raise my kid right. That's it. That's it. That's all you can do. Because I'm not going to get behind any any falsehood behind a stupid hashtag. You know? Listen. Like, li- listen, I'll get behind a hashtag if it's supporting someone like Low Life Louie, who had that... Um, I love Louie. Awesome. I love him, too. He's been, Look, I love that man... To yeah, all like, ends, and I was there on a show when we raised money for him. I, I was gonna, there. Uh, yes, and I was going to put you over for that. That was an awesome thing that you did for him. You know, you're both graduates at the dog at the dog pound, and you know, I thought dog was, house, dog house. Sorry, dog house. And uh, I thought it was beautiful that you did that for him. You know, but like you know, when he, um, you know, when he did that, I was hashtagging get well, Louis, get well, Louis. You know, and um, he's probably one of the nicest guys I met in the oh, industry. Sweetheart, dude, I love that you know? guy. I'll get behind the moon and back. that. I'll get behind a hashtag like that, but I'm not going to get behind some cultural Marxist BS. Forget that. <laughs> Listen, unfortunately, and I say this on the horseman all the time, right? The world, we're, we are all, uh, not bipolar, what's the word? Uh, no, binary. Yeah, no, yeah. no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all, we're thought, we're, we're trained to think in binary terms, right? Good bad right male female gay straight uh ones zeros right left right red blue republican democrat the list goes on and on all those are just distractions and what i mean by that is that the small group of people that run this world the i hate the word elite because calling someone elite makes them think they're better than us and they're not but the small (laughs) the small the small group of people that run this world, that run all the central banks and have the, the power of printing money, the Rothschilds, the, the JP Morgans, the so on, the so forth, the Council of 300, the, the Bilderberg Group, the IMF, the Trilateral Commission, all these, these groups of power people, power players that run this world, and they put these in play to keep us in distraction because one, a house divided can't stand. And two, when we're all fighting for the crumbs, they're running away with the pie. And it's the same playbook they've been using for years upon years. And this is no different. Look, do black lives matter? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yes. Does, does the group itself, right, the BLM group, when they're, where, do they have the right to protest? Absolutely. This country was built on protesting. And I'll defend their right to protest. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's the issue. 6% of all the money given to BLM goes to BLM. Mm. Mm. 94% goes to their 
uh, parent companies and the DNC. So when you're really giving your money, you got to check where it's going to a lot of the, similar to a lot of these charities. A lot of these charities have administration fees and this, that, and the other, and their CEOs of the charities who are running them are making a half a million dollars or, or a million dollars a year. Really? It's a charity, but whatever. And they don't pay taxes because it's a charity, right? Again, I digress. But the majority of these protesters, right, are peaceful. Then you have those paid Antifa actors who come down and cause the controversy. Why? Because that's what the news are going to dwell on. Right. They're going to dwell on all the broken stores and this, that, and the tearing down the statues and getting rid of history. Well, you get rid of history, you're doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's all politicized. For what? To separate people between the left and the right. Well, guess what? If you're too far right, you're an idiot. If you're too far left, you're an idiot. You have to be, you have to be in the middle because as times move on, you have to adopt, adapt with the changing times or else you get left behind and you die like a dinosaur. You get extinct. Right. So that's it. Now all this cancel culture nonsense, it's ridiculous. And you have all these people pandering because they don't want to be labeled a racist. Meanwhile, those who are pandering and stepping above and beyond the means of doing the right thing just so they can get themselves over are the ones with the most skeletons in the closets who are usually the racists. Wayne, this you know is what the I'm saying? conversation we've ever had on either of our podcasts. I'm sorry. I'm it. sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize. I didn't want to go down this rabbit hole. Very hot but, topic. but on a side note, though, I'd like to give a shout out to Mr. Brigham Doan, a.k.a. Masada, for making me an amazing Oh, Masada's my boy. What's up, my, my brother? It's good for to making, see you. Good to hear from you. For making me a pair of brass knuckles because I told him I want to protect my family, but my wife doesn't want me to get a gun. He said, hold on, man. Make a pair of brass knuckles. And he made me a really nice pair. Dude, he's a good dude. I love Masada. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy and a fellow so a Green fan. So thank you, Brig. Thank you, Masada, for uh, doing that. And uh, yes, um, trust well, me, to the Antifa people, if you're going to come up to me, I have no shame in blasting rain and blood by Slayer and running you over. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, all I care, all I want is for this world to heal itself. Yes, and I want us all to be happy. I want us all to, you know, find but here's the deal. with ourselves and make we, money and just we take could. care of ourselves and our family. We could. Here's the issue. There's more of us than there are of them, meaning that there's more of us who want just the betterment of this planet, the betterment of civilization, than those that are in charge right now who are living off of greed and that narrative of keeping everybody divided. But that 1%, who control 90% or 99% of the wealth, that ratio is the problem. We put too much emphasis on something called money and money is the biggest work of all because it's a fiat currency that we have in this country. It's not backed by anything but goodwill. If we all decide to go to a bank right now and take all our money out of our accounts due to fractional banking, they leverage out money 10 to one, some banks even 100 to one, if everyone came back to the banks right now and try to get their money out of their accounts, the banks don't have enough money in circulation or printed to give us back our money. So how does that make sense? It's all bullshit. It's all fugazi. Like what's his name does in the fucking Wolf of Wall Street. It's all fucking Perry does. It's the truth. No, I know. Kind of reminds me of when uh, he burned the money in um, 
Oh yeah, in the Batman uh, Return. Yes, uh, and he pretty much said, you know, he doesn't need money. He likes stuff cheap, so that's why he gets gasoline and gunpowder. <laughs> hey, hey, man, makes sense. Makes sense as far as the Joker's concerned. But Which again, proves that the Joker was the good guy in the Dark Knight. Anyways, <laughs> moving right along, we're gonna wrap it up. But uh, I would like to thank my awesome co-hosts. Uh, I, I don't say guests; I say my co-hosts because I couldn't do this without you guys, Mr. Wayne Noon of Ratsai Review. And the Greek god himself, Mr. Dimitri Papadon. Guys, any plugs you want to do, please go ahead. Yes, bend over, grab your ankle. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wrong plugging. Leave it to the Greek guy. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> now, I, listen, I threw that softball up there. I was hoping you'd catch it. But anyway, <laughs> well played, Wayne. Well played. Party on, Wayne. Uh, RatsaleReview.com. Uh, find us on YouTube. Ratsal Review, find us on iTunes. Just look up Ratsal Review on uh, Google, whatever. You'll find us on there. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And Lou is on our, our network, too. Probably. Still waiting for the checks, Wayne. Yeah, you're never going to see that. I know. <laughs> Still waiting for the shirt, Wayne. <laughs> I know. I forgot. I'm sorry. You will get one. I'll get you. Don't worry. Mr. Dimitri, please. Sure. Any plugs? And all right. where can people buy your merch? I'll lay it all out right now. Well, it's going to be a show within a show, so bear with me. Bear, <laughs> bear, bear for a while. Another hour of talking. <laughs> I have, I, look, I have no problem. I'm a ham. When it comes to talking and getting myself over, I'll do it. That's why Sell I cut your such, gimmick. Sell your gimmick. That's why it cuts such a great promo, but I digress. So <laughs> you could find me on Twitter, at GreekGodPapadon, on Instagram, GreekGodPapadon. Facebook is Demetrius Papadon. My YouTube page where I have promos and matches greek god pop it on now my pro wrestling tea store you might say well what's that it's a store online where you can buy professional wrestling t-shirts with my image my likeness on it my logos everything on there i've designed in my head and either my co-hosts from the nfo spiro antonopoulos or alex arroyo went on the computer and did their fucking thing on the magic box and came up with the logo and you know after i told them what to do it's Pro Wrestling Tees slash, get ready for it, Greek God Papadon. Now, I also do two podcasts. One of them we've mentioned is a Star Wars podcast. It's called The New Force Order, semicolon, a Star Wars podcast. It's myself, Spiro Santinopoulos, who's also known as Darth Spiridon. He is a photographer slash indie director. And Alex Arroyo, who is an actual doctor. So you have a, a film director, photographer, a doctor, and a pro wrestler. We don't walk into a bar, but we do get we do we do sit down and we do talk about Star Wars every week. You can find the podcast New Force Order on the Hameen Media Group. You can find this on Podbean. You can find this on uh, Spotify. You can find this on iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. We're also on YouTube. The page. Please go like the videos, comment, hit the notification bell, subscribe. Is New Force Order. Now, you can also find me, myself, Stevie Richards, Big Sal Graziano, and Ben Hamin, four pro wrestlers, talking shop about conspiracy theories, self-enlightenment, free thought, question and narrative, every Wednesday, 7.15 on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Conspiracy Horseman is the, uh, the link. And the show is called The Conspiracy Horseman. So you can follow us. Uh, same thing, Pro Wrestling Tees slash Ben Hamin slash Stevie Richards slash Big 
uh, was it big? Ordo Munstrom is a sound. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, but he's a uh, Preston Keystar. I forgot what his bid. Uh, yeah. BS BSG, I think Big Sal Graziano. But anyway, give us a listen. Like the way we kind of deep dove into this, and the way we spoke tonight with each other, you know, not arguing, but having open discussion, friendly, civil discussion is what we do on the Horseman. Uh, Stevie Ray from Harlem Heat, I think, might be on this week with us. So it should be a good show. We had ECW uh, Angel from the Baldies on last week. Um, We've had, like, guys from different walks of life. We've had uh, uh, John McAfee on the show twice. He's been one of my my favorite guests on the show. And he's shit back crazy. Yeah, he's fucking nuts. (laughs) But it's always always a good time. Have you watched uh, his documentary, that documentary they did on him? It's a hit piece, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. Um, But... You know, look, at the end of the day, I want to thank you guys for having me on. And you guys want me to come on again and talk about any topics from movies, music, wrestling, sports, whatever. I'll be more than happy to come on here. I think we have a good chemistry, the three of us together. And we have nice discussions, and I'd love to do it again. So thank you for having me. I really enjoy this, Dimitri. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. And Dimitri, please, if you could just do me one favor. Give my utmost respect and gratitude to Mr. Stevie Richards and Big Sally Graziano for being a big part of my youth and part of my, uh, for me, it was my favorite pro wrestling group of all time. Yeah, it was mine too. Thank them for me. And Which one, the BWO or the FBI? BWO oh, for me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, let me just say this. Nothing funnier at the time than seeing Stevie and Blue Mini impersonate different wrestlers every week. <laughs> yeah, at one point, you know, Stevie Richards was, you know, uh, Baron Von Stevie and Blue Mini was, uh, oh my God, who, who was it? I forgot who it was, but, you know, just seeing, just went. Dimitri, you remember this. Stevie came out, he was, uh, he was acting as Baron Von Rashke. Yeah. And- I, I vaguely remember, but yes. Well, anyways, but I'm, I was a big fan of, of both the, the BW and the FBI, so please give them my appreciation and my respect. Totally. Definitely will. I definitely will. They're all good people, and uh, they'd appreciate it. You know? Thank you. Awesome. Good Thanks, stuff. guys. Uh, really appreciate having both of you guys on. Had a great time. Thank you. Yeah, Thank no you. No problem. Once we go off, I got a question to ask you once we go off there. All right, no problem. And no, it's none of your business, people. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Music is Life podcast. Check me out um, on the Rat Salad Review Network. And Wayne, thank you again for being a platform for me to do my podcast on. Uh, Much respect to you, my friend. I want to give a shout out to some of the other podcasts that are out there, including uh, Beyond Bushido, also on Rat Salad Review Network. want to give a shout out to uh, my friend J. Cat Morris and Yakuza Kick Radio. And, uh, oh, my God, so many podcasts. Vieira Vault, Ralph Vieira himself. Yes, Ralph, And yes. Um, also on Rat Style Review Network. And uh, check out Wayne's shows, Rat Style Review. And this podcast belongs to them. And, by the way, also listen to Rat Style Review from last week because we did part one of our Goar discussion, Nate and Wayne and myself. Part two will be released in a couple of weeks. And uh, let's see what else. There's also the Decibel Geek podcast with uh, Aaron and Chris. And um, see if you can go support. I don't know. (laughs) The NFO and the Conspiracy Horseman. 
right. support us. Like, subscribe, and share everybody's shows, please. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show tonight. Really appreciate it. Wish everybody well. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves and your family. And uh, don't be a dick. Be cool with each other. Thanks. And remember, all art is valid. <laughs>